0: Ringside, by golly, we're about ready to go with more big action. Thank you very much, and welcome to Georgia Championship Wrestling. I'm Gordon solo your host, and we have quite an hour in store for us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Championship Wrestling at Ringside. This is Vince McMahon, along with wrestling's only
1: living legend, Bruno Sammartino. Welcome to this week's edition of Mid South Wrestling Television. I'm your host, boy Cheers, another outstanding card.
2: Hey guys, and welcome back to the Regional Wrestling Podcast, where we talk the territories. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. And of course, as always, I am your host, Ray Russell. And this week, guys, we head into week number three here in the month of January 1985 in the Memphis Wrestling Territory. And we're going to bring back guest Gene Jackson to continue on as we discuss the CWA in 1985. And this week, part of the program, lots to dive into here this week. With the Southern Tag Team title tournament now behind us, or not, depending on what city you live in, more on that later in the program. Also here this week, of course, it's the King, Jerry Lawler, not just on the Saturday morning program, but the Jerry Lawler Show returns as well, his in-studio guests, the Dirty White Boys. We'll also find out what happens on live TV when the top rope breaks. Hopefully there's no casualties. Also here this week on Memphis Television, it's the Blonde Bomber, Kevin Kelly who will go on to get arrested and thrown in prison down in Cobb County, Georgia. You see where I'm going with this, guys? He'll eventually return under the name Nails at a later date in a certain promotion. That's right. We're going to take a look at the convict Nails early on in his career here, wrestling under the name Kevin Kelly. Plus, a great soundbite lined up. Iron Mike Sharp forgets what kind of match that he's involved in. Lance Russell has to correct him. You certainly don't want to miss that. And then on Monday night at the Coliseum, it's a special Night of Champions. Five championship matches. Five title belts on the line. Or will Mother Nature have other plans? All of that and more coming this week on Regional Wrestling. But first, just a friendly reminder, guys, that you can listen to the Regional Wrestling Podcast along with sister shows like the Wrestling Memory Grenade currently covering the 1988 and the WWF Project, as well as our program, the Wrestling Stoop with the legend himself, Bob Roop, as Bob goes back in time and shares personal stories and memories from throughout his 20 plus years in the business, both in the ring as well as behind the scenes. And you can listen to all of those shows and more, plus some new ones coming around the corner. Stay tuned. All of them part of the Wrestlecopia Podcast Network located over at Wrestlecopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and anywhere. Your podcast streaming needs are met from Apple to Spotify, Pocket Cast, and beyond. Also, be sure to follow me on social media for all the latest goings on here at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network Plus. I'm constantly adding old school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. And you can start right off by following me on X, formerly the Twitter. You can follow me there at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like me Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. And Hey guys, while you're at it, why not subscribe to my YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Uploading new footage all the time including right here, 1986 UWF. We've been uploading them as we talk about them here on the show, so you guys can actually go check out the programs that we're talking about, uploading every episode of UWF TV here in 1986 in chronological order. And again, that address, youtube.com slash wrestling Subscribe today. And hey, guys, speaking of subscriptions, now would be a fantastic time if you would consider becoming a WrestleCopia patron you can find me there at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. And I'm talking to you guys today about that $5 all-access tier. Get you all sorts of gifts for just 5 bucks, including all of my insanely detailed book-like show notes. Pages and pages of show notes for every episode of The Grenade Show, Monday Warfare, and of course the Regional Wrestling Podcast. You also get early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia where in days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. Then from there, it's remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade Show, covering the 1989 NWA project. Includes enhanced sound quality, plus new content and conversation never heard before. But that's still not all. You also get digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure, and of course, our Patreon-exclusive Watch Along series, covering many past WWF and WCW events, guys, and you get all of that for the low, low price of just $5. No subscription. Cancel any time. Show your support. Give it a try for a month. I think you'll like the content that I offer, and every penny of it goes right back here into paying the bills to keep the Russell Copia Podcast Network and all of the wonderful shows here up and running for the months and the years to come. All right, and that's going to get us set up, guys. Here we go. Head back to 1985 in the CWA. Take a drive back in time to the Memphis Territory. And I can't wait to get into this one, rubbing my hands together right now with anticipation. But before we can get going, we got to do one last thing. Let's bring back the special guest co-host here this week for Memphis 1985. Without further ado, let's welcome him back yet again, Gene Jackson. Welcome back to week number three in the Memphis Territory.
3: Week number three. Here we go, man. It's uh, it's ramping up. And so I, I can't wait to see what they have in store for us this week, Ray. Yeah,
2: it's always fun to have you here, Gene. I mean, we've been doing UWF in Georgia for a while here in regional wrestling. Memphis is kind of fresh, you know. It's it's the new baby in the house, and so when when I'm not changing his diapers, it's it's pretty cool, right? So, yeah, uh, we are week number three already, though, and that's that's a good time. We've been getting in these Memphis shows when we can, and I appreciate you, man. I know you've uh, got a lot of other things going on in your world right now, so to have you here, it's just very much appreciated.
3: Hey, man, I always look forward to it. You know, I love me some Memphis wrestling. Love me some Russell Copia, so I love being getting to be involved, man, and getting to to talk with somebody who's equally as big a fan of this as me. And you know, I know we're in different years, but it's it's funny, uh, you know, for you, Georgia, Memphis, and UWF, mm-hmm. uh, while sharing a lot of the same people, are such very different territories in Boy, so they many show, ways. It's
2: so weird, you know. It's like I until I got to Memphis. I was going on and on about, man, I have Ted DiBiase on the grenade. I have Ted DiBiase in Georgia. I have Ted DiBiase in the UWF. I was even to the point in the Monday Warfare show before we put it on hiatus. (laughs) It was like a week before Ted DiBiase was about to debut. So at one point he was going to be on all of my shows at the same time. And Bob Root mentions him from time to time as well. So Ted DiBiase everywhere. And then we got to Memphis and I said, well, I know his ass ain't coming here. So <laughs> it's <laughs> I true. Give, i but you got a break. Sharp, so we do have yes. almost as good. <laughs> almost. Uh-huh. Well, the promos here are much better than, than his stuff from 1981. I'll give you that. Well, we'll get more into that. Is this, this episode goes on guys. I promise you a uh, quick recap real quick, Jean, in case you guys missed it or forgot about it. The January 13th edition of the well special Sunday night, mid South Coliseum show, uh, the Southern tag team title tournament, the interns, once again, the Southern tag team champions.
3: That's right. You know, we we had the titles held up at a one-night tournament. We brought in the Rock and Roll Express. Sure did. And the interns ended up back. (laughs)
2: Still still managed to regain the titles that that uh, they were the last champions. uh, They're back champions once again, at least in the Memphis City. We'll get into that a little later, too. Uh, But we're going to move on now, guys, to the following weekend, January 19th, Saturday morning, Memphis TV, Channel 5 to be exact. For more great wrestling action, Lance Russell, Dave Brown, calling the action here. And as we kick off the show, we get a VTR. Woohoo! We talked about this last time. The first round match of the Southern Tag Team Title Tournament. We had wondered, how did the interns defeat the Dirty White Boys in the first round? Because we couldn't find footage of the match, but it was right here all along, right here on television. And I didn't jump ahead to find out. But it was the interns going over on the Dirty White Boys after interference from Jimmy Hart, who comes from the backstage area and gets involved there, aiding the interns in the win. We only get about two minutes shown here on TV of an 11-minute and 34-second match, according to Lancer. But as you suspected it, Gene, you said Jimmy Hart probably got involved, and you were right.
3: Well, you know, anytime that uh, there's a possibility of Jimmy Hart, getting involved, baby! He's going to do it, so uh, I figured it was a safe bet.
2: Yeah, get those in while you can while he's still here. I love
3: it. <laughs> I know. I know. We're running, we're running thin on Jimmy Hart material now. So. Yeah, and
2: Macho Man, not going to be here super long either. So Uh-huh. I don't like that either. Uh. But uh, <laughs> we kick off the show this week. We see the VTR, and then it's straight to Troy Graham, wheelchair and all, cutting a promo, and he's out with one of his interns and Playboy Frazier, as well as the interns have regained the Southern Tag Team titles. Troy showing off his legal pair of brass knuckles here actually a custom-made brass ring to fit every finger on his hand i thought that was pretty clever
3: that is that is that is indeed a legal set of brass knuckles so well indeed. played by dr troy
2: nobody ever stole that i i was surprised after i saw this why didn't anybody ever steal that idea i love it
3: well leave it leave it to troy ground yeah. to uh be forward thinking like that and come up with something (laughs) nobody else did
2: he was quite the thinker indeed his uh graham claims (laughs) (laughs) one of his interns is in surgery so we get the playboy here instead in his place for the tag team matchup upcoming now at first i thought he meant that one of the interns was hurt he was in surgery but i guess he meant you know he's performing surgery because he's an intern
3: I love that. That's that's really fun. You know, rather than leaving it a mystery or just being like, you know, hey, he didn't make the town or whatever. Like, yeah, of course, the intern's in surgery. Where else yeah. would he be? I
2: didn't catch that right away. I actually didn't catch that until I went back over my notes. And I said, maybe he meant, oh, yeah, that makes more sense. He was aiding in surgery. I got you yep. now. As uh, we head off to the ring, it's going to be intern number one. That's Don Bass here today on the show. Teaming with Playboy Frazier. Shake those nuggets off. They're going to be managed by Troy Graham for this matchup. taking on. Johnny Wilhoyt and David Haskins back for week number two, glutton for punishment. As we see Graham rolling all around ringside in that wheelchair, Wilhoit gets the better of the intern early on. Then the playboy going to tag in immediately taken over and some really awful offense here. Comical offense, however, by the playboy in this one. As a Haskins finally tagged in for the first time in the babyface side, but he eats a corner buckle and a nasty knee lift. Don Bass really let him have it there. And Frazier back in as I'm pretty sure... I hear a fan yell, moo, at the Playboy as he re-enters the ring here. Haskins knocked into his own corner, and he gets the hot tag out to Will Hoyt. But before we get to the the finish of this matchup, just what a weird dynamic. Playboy Frazier and one of the interns. It's Memphis. You just slide him right in there, right?
3: Yeah, and as much as I enjoyed the pairing of Exotic Adrian Street and Playboy Frazier, I equally did not enjoy the pairing okay. of yeah. the intern. I don't know. It just didn't feel the same. But I can I, tell you I this.
2: Didn't, since I since didn't. you
3: made a note of it, uh, yeah. at one point in Corinth, Mississippi, in uh-huh. uh, 1999, I believe it was, I was on the receiving end of a Don Bass knee lift. And, oh, my. Uh, it's something, let me tell you.
2: A little bit snug?
3: Oh, to say the least. <laughs> say my le- teeth.
2: In 99, huh? Wow. Don Bass still throwing that knee lift? My God.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was he was a weekly staple of Rodney Grimes, CWA in Corinth, Mississippi, along with his manager, Honest John. And he was the ringleader of uh, Bass's posse, along with Big Hoss Williams. Going to go out on a limb
2: and say Honest John wasn't very honest at all.
3: He was not. He was the exact opposite. But boy, he was colorful. He was a a tall, skinny guy who in real life was the manager of a pizza inn in West Memphis, Arkansas, which, you know, is right around the corner from Greasy Corner, Arkansas, Uh, (laughs) as luck would have it. Uh, But man, he wore (laughs) these uh, crazy yellow and green suits that came from the urban store that looked like something the Godfather would wear. And he's out there with Outlaw Don Bass. It was quite the pairing
2: i got to find me a few of those, some uh, Michael Hayes pimp suits. Yeah.
3: Dink, does... Yeah, buddy.
2: I'll tell you what, man. David Haskins, he looked pretty good for his first match ever last week. And again, like I said, he's no Ricky Steamboat, but he looked good. I mean, for his first time ever in a in a ring, having a real match up there. And apparently he does well enough that he keeps his job. He's back here again for week number two and not looking too bad in the ring. However, boy, we get this hot tag out to Johnny Wilhoit, and things just come apart here as Wilhoit. Going to send Stan Fraser into the corner, mount him in the corner for the old 10 punches of doom. And this goes on seemingly forever, Gene. And it gets to the point where it's just absolutely ridiculous. Stan starting to lose his uh, balance, slipping down, sliding down in the corner as Johnny Wilhoyt just kind of standing there. I don't even think he's punching him by the end of the sequence. As Meanwhile, the intern, he takes David Haskins outside the ring behind the referee's back, the referee busy with Frazier and Wilhoit. So Graham, still seated in the wheelchair, blasting Haskins with the steel chair shot, then the intern rolling David back inside, and never mind the fact that neither man is legal, Gene, the intern makes the cover and gets the win. Match goes four minutes and 37 seconds. Welcome to Wrestling, David Haskins, a chair shot and only a second matchup here on TV.
3: Chair shot from a manager in a wheelchair.
2: <laughs> it doesn't get any better. <laughs> it like doesn't you get said, any more welcome, Memphis either right
3: I was, I was just about to say not only welcome to wrestling but more specifically welcome to Memphis wrestling There you David go. I,
2: I love that adjective it's isn't it great that Memphis can be an adjective here on this show welcome to Memphis wrestling is. David Haskins <laughs> but I looked yeah, at the corner spot was awkward yeah. it's so
3: oh. awkward like I guess they just assumed at that point hopefully nobody was watching them like you <laughs> said it's cameras right on the ring <laughs> He's no longer throwing punches. Frazier's just kind of (laughs) slipped down the corner and they're just kind of standing there D in hand waiting for the action to unfold on the outside. Now there's some,
2: there's something else on this show. I I invite everybody to go to my YouTube and watch, and we're going to get to that in a little bit, but while you're at it, before you get there, why don't you stop and watch the finish of this matchup? Because I mean, you got to blame Will Hoyt and Frazier, but at the same time you can't because they're kind of waiting for the finish. It's like, okay, this is what we're going to do going into the finish They didn't plan for the finish to take nearly as long as it did, I guess. And they're just kind of like, okay, what do we do now? They could have done something else, but they opted not to. And Stan Frazier had been around the business far too long. He should have known better. But he just got kind of a I'm sure
3: Frazier was completely blown up in the corner, couldn't do anything. Will Hoy didn't know what to do, so that's what we got.
2: <laughs> Perhaps it wasn't a fan shouting move. Maybe it was just Stan himself. I don't really know. As uh, we roll on with the show, guys, Jimmy Hart now joining Troy Graham for another promo. I wrote, oh, baby, baby. As Lance Russell quips, one of them is bad enough, but it's baby squared out here, Jimmy Hart and Troy Graham. As they sell the upcoming Mid-South Coliseum matchup, it's the interns once again taking on the Dirty White Boys, the Southern Tag Team titles on the line. But also, should the White Boys win, they get five minutes with manager Jimmy Hart. As Jimmy Hart says, he found the White Boys working in a Walgreens right up here in Cleveland. How about that, Gene? He found them a year ago. I wrote, funny, I don't remember we having a Walgreens in Cleveland back in 1984, but uh, maybe I'm wrong. Anywho, Jimmy talks about managing Dream and Pork Chop Cash to the titles when he managed them, but the Dirty White Boys, they just didn't cut the mustard. So Hart then handing off a thousand dollars to Troy Graham here to make sure that the Dirty White Boys don't get the five minutes with Jimmy Hart, and I had to ponder whether he gave them the, the grand or not. Don't you think the interns pl- had planned to keep the title belts? So it seemed like Jimmy was just throwing away money here.
3: Yeah, yeah, that that, Sometimes the the logic doesn't exactly line up, but you know.
2: (laughs) Well, they had to. I guess that extra incentive, I suppose, is what they were going for here in the minds of the fans, anyway. But just as Jimmy Hart says that he's always got the back of, can you do that? Tell Troy Graham you've got his back, baby. Always got his back, baby.
3: Troy, baby, you know I've always got your back, baby. I've always got your back, baby. Don't worry about it, baby. We got this, baby, baby.
2: And as Jimmy says that, no sooner than he says that, out come the dirty white boys, and the first thing Jimmy Hart does. He goes running off, Gene. You gotta love that heel stuff there. Way, I got your back. Way, I always got your back. back, baby. And then Jimmy Hart is gone out of the studio, maybe into the parking lot. I don't know. Leaving Troy I mean, Graham I'll be
3: in the back, baby. Way in the back, baby.
2: <laughs> leaving Troy Graham in the studio all by himself in a wheelchair to take on the dirty white boys. Here, as the boys going to confront Troy, who stuff his thousand dollars down into his crotch. I wrote LMAO. Well, I don't really know the, the reasoning for that, but. Lynn Denton, Tony Anthony threatening to put a whipping on Troy Graham here. But Jimmy Hart finally does return and he brings with him the intern and playboy Frazier. But the dirty white boys, they look at that team and much like you, they weren't really impressed. So they grab a couple of steel chairs and run the heels off in the process, taking one tag team title belt, which is the only one that was here today on the show.
3: Yeah, I guess uh, I guess the other intern was wearing his while assisting with surgery, it would seem.
2: Maybe they were using it like as the plate, you know, where they put all the, uh, <laughs> the tools and things on for the doctor using exactly. the, uh, the title belt. Yeah, I don't know where the other championship belt was. Maybe Roger Smith really was carrying it with him. I'm not sure. But yeah, there was only one, one tag team title belt here today. It was pretty damn obvious.
3: The doctor was like, sir, can I see your credentials? And he's like, yes, I'm a Southern tag team champion, sir.
2: Multiple times under many masks. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So you go. We go on more action in the ring. We just saw them come out here. It's the Dirty White Boys taking on Pat Hutchinson and Big Bill Rose. And here we go, Gene. <laughs> the boys have their way with Rose early on here. Pat Hutchinson refusing to tag in. And Bill kind of looks lost in there, by the way, guys. But the Dirty White Boys eventually shooting Big Bill into the ropes. Well, they don't call him Big Bill for nothing because the fucking corner buckle snaps off the ring post. The entire fucking top rope collapses as Rose goes tumbling like a crash test dummy upside down backwards over the top rope, or at least where the top rope used to be, and onto his head on the studio floor. I wrote, holy shit, because I've seen the rope break before. I've seen people fall out of the ring during these kind of spots, but that was one of the scarier bumps, I have to say.
3: Oh, yeah, that's absolute worst case scenario if the rope breaks. Like if somebody asked in the first day of training, like, well, what happens if the rope breaks like that's uh, well, the worst case, you could come down right on top of your freaking head and possibly break your neck or you might just fall to the floor. And yeah, he it had, and I've seen that happen one other time to a guy. And there's not there was not a single time the rest of my life that I ever ran towards a ring rope that I thought, oh, my God, don't let this snap and would grab it for dear life. And it was this bump here and the one I seen somebody take in Saltillo, Mississippi, it always ran through my head like, oh God, don't let that happen to me because this will kill me.
2: Yeah. You know, it was probably 21, 22 years ago. A buddy of mine, Leo, was hitting the ropes in training and he was, you know, a good worker. And he was hitting the ropes in training and the rope, the top rope snapped, it broke. And, you know, he uh, did the little backflip thing and they actually had padding on the floor on the outside, which was, you know, a good deal. But obviously, you know, just taking that bump alone, hitting the apron and whatnot. But, you know, as soon as he did that, the trainer, He he looks at us and goes, and that's why you put your arm over the top rope when you hit the ropes, because you see those guys every once in a while that aren't trained, that just keep their arms to their sides. If that top rope broke and you didn't have that protection of that arm, you know, holding onto that rope, you you know, you want to talk about fatal. I don't know about fatal, but you could certainly certainly a lot worse injury involved.
3: Absolutely. And even if the rope doesn't break, I, I don't know how many times I've seen it to where somebody hits the ropes and they don't grip the rope like that. Like you say, if they just keep their arms down their side, that rope mm. slides up their shoulders and hits them right in the back of the neck, you know, and snaps their, you know, snaps their head. So it's, right. it's, it's super dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. It's it's a little more than just run towards the ropes and bounce off of them if, if you know, <laughs> Right, right. for, for yeah. the untrained.
2: So, uh, yeah, anywho, this guy gets tossed into the ropes, and the top rope completely snaps off the buckle. I'm not talking about where the rope breaks and it kind of slumps down. We've seen that before. I mean, it completely snaps off the post, so there's no more top rope at all, and this guy goes flying upside down backwards all the way out to the floor. Pat Hutchinson immediately goes out to check on Rose, and for a split second, if you go back and watch it, you can even see the Dirty White Boys as the bump is going on. They actually take a step forward towards Bill. A little bit concerned there, even from the Dirty White Boys, but... Then they get back into character. As Rose does recover on the outside, he will eventually get back to the apron. Try to get back in the ring multiple times, but the referee's like, no, no, no. So uh, Rose just kind of stands there as the dirty white boys take over on Hutchinson from there. Now, Pat never tagged in, mind you guys. But Pat does manage a series of fiery punches on Lynn Denton. But the white boys come back and land their double Russian leg sweep. Got to score the win, 3 minutes and 18 seconds. And uh, Bill Rose tries to reenter the ring after the matchup, again being held back as... We get a slow motion replay of that nasty bump. I wrote insult to injury, Gene.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, kudos to Rose for trying to re-enter the ring, man. I would have laid on the floor and played dead until <laughs> they carried me out. And I, actually, I'm sure, as ugly as that bump looked, I'm sure Jarrett would have preferred that, honestly, for realism's sake. But, sure. You know, sure. I, I was. Probably... I was wondering.
2: I was thinking. Do you think Jerry Lawler or somebody said you know something to him? He came. Man, you should have just laid out there. But, you know, this is big. Bill Rose's, uh, his big break, right? He's never been here as far as I I remember anyway, at least not in a long time. And he gets here on Memphis TV and, you know, he's in the ring for about 30 seconds before (laughs) he's knocked on his ass literally on the outside. And maybe he's like, man, I got to get back in there. This is my big chance.
3: Yeah, I'm sure he was in shock. He probably didn't know exactly what had happened. And I'm sure he was just excited that he was able to get back to his feet. Wasn't really thinking of ring psychology at the time. So it is what it is.
2: Well, this is not a a WWF TV taping, guys. This is live TV. So as we come back from break, we see some random people out there, maybe some janitors, attempting to fix the ring as they try to reattach the turnbuckle cable to the ring post. I wrote, good luck with that. So we spend some time by running down the January 21st Mid-South Coliseum card. Lance Russell also plugging the Wrestling Hotline. It's a local hotline, guys. Call it now, 685-6969. Actually, I don't recommend you guys call that. I'm not sure <laughs> who owns that number now, but uh, yeah, I didn't know they had a wrestling hotline all the way back in uh, the mid '80s for uh, Memphis wrestling.
3: Man, I wish we could have got some good pitches from Lance Russell, a la Mean Gene back in the day. I would love to hear Lance teasing some stuff for the hotline.
2: Yeah, call the hotline. I would have loved that. Yeah, well, hell, Lance was even in WCW when they had the hotline. I would love to just have him pitch the the number one time one nine hundred nine zero nine ninety nine hundred. That would have been awesome. But yeah, uh, Lance Russell, inviting everybody to call the Memphis Wrestling Hotline. If You know, if I lived down there, I would have been calling that thing. It's a local number, and I would have been putting a tape recorder right up there and, and collecting all of those. I wonder if somebody did that. That would have been awesome if anybody has any of those old wrestling hotline recordings.
3: Oh, my gosh. I would love to see that turn up. I have to admit that I called several times in 1988 to vote for Jackie Fargo as the referee for Jerry Lawler and Kurt It was you. in the AWA World Top. It was match. you. So, you're welcome, guys. I will wow. get that done.
2: Taking the belt away from Mr. Perfect. As uh, we roll on, we get the old Terry Taylor freeze frame video, one of the most favorite videos of Roman Gomez. Got to send a big thanks out there to Joel Watts for that one. Terry Taylor slated to defend the international title versus Adrian Street this Monday night. And then from there, we get the exotic one here in a promo with Miss Linda by his side. Street boasting holding a championship in 37 different countries. Sheep herders did that too in the UWF. Uh but now Adrian, he has beaten Terry Taylor before, we gotta remember, in the Mid South territory for the TV title there just four months prior to this. So at least they're familiar with each other.
3: Couple things. That clicked in my head because I remembered you and Roman having some fun with the you know, the sheep herders talking about thirty seven different countries. Right. And as soon as that came out of the street's mouth, I was like, What is it with the thirty seven different co- <laughs> thirty seven different <laughs> countries? But also I'm sure they had that video queued up because we had the Terry Taylor-Adrian Street match coming up. But in my head, in the back, somebody's like, oh, my God, the ring's broke. We got to stretch. And somebody's like, put on the freeze frame video. Freeze frame. Freeze frame. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) It's it's just always there (laughs) on cue just waiting for something to happen. Like, well, we always get the freeze frame video to go to.
2: You know, something went wrong. It's the freeze frame video again. (laughs) Even Vince McMahon, one week he sh- he should aired that just so so it made the rounds everywhere.
3: Yeah, every territory, every every territory.
2: So, but Adrian Street cutting a promo here, he's going to challenge Terry Taylor for the international title. Pretty basic interview here, but you have to think, you know, we talked about why. What was the uh, the reasoning for putting the belt on Terry Taylor? What was that? The last week of December, first week of January, whatever that was, and because he doesn't come back and drop it until July, but. This, this answers the question, at least for me. You have to presume with Taylor leaving to go back to the Mid-South that he was supposed to drop the belt here to Adrian Street. Now, why that doesn't happen, we'll get to that later in the program, but that seems to be likely what they, were, what they had planned.
3: Yeah, I've mentioned before that even as a kid, I was very over-analytical of things. And so as a kid, it bothered me why the Southern title was treated as a more important championship than the <laughs> international championship. I used to I used to ask my friends about that. But I was a big enough mark that I assumed the reason Terry Taylor could disappear for months is he's off going all over the world defending that well, international title. International he's out of the title. right there you now. go. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. it was sitting on Jerry Jarrett's desk. I'm sure until, until probably it was like, in a drawer. All right, we can, we can get Taylor again. Pull the old international title out, just like they would whip out the old Mid America belt at random times, you know, as needed.
2: Yeah, like like here with Mike Sharp. Yep. <laughs> well, you did say as needed. I don't know that I would call that needed, but <laughs>
3: well, they're like, well, Mike Sharp. What's he got? Well, he's got that armband on. Like, uh well, let's let's throw this belt on. Give him, him a so belt. Maybe somebody will give a shit. Not likely, but maybe.
2: You know, sometimes they say a wrestler doesn't need a belt because they're over. They say, well, Jake the Snake never needed a belt because he was over. He didn't need the WWF title. Well, uh, you could say Mike Sharp never needed a title either, but for a very different reason.
3: (laughs) Mike Sharp could have had more belts than the Ultimo Dragon, and nobody would have gave a shit.
2: I tell you what, Jamie Ward, I I know you listen to some of those shows in in the Georgia shows, and Jamie Ward defends Mike Sharp to no end. And I just, I don't get it. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I don't either. I love it though, I, I, <laughs> and it tickles me. I don't. I always wonder, like, okay, is this a rib? Is this like Jamie just playing a role here? No, like, Jamie's all just right, a good
2: guy that defends everybody. Like he even started the Mister Personality thing with Steve O, and then I picked it up and ran with it. And now he's like, oh, don't do that to Steve. So oh, no,
3: I always get. I always get such a kick out <laughs> of the, like how whenever you dunk on steve-o he's just like you can tell he's genuine because that's what I, that's where i was going with that is that i thought at first it was a bit but then hearing the genuine disappointment in his voice whenever <laughs> you make fun of steve-o it's like oh man come on i don't care if you i don't care about you messing with steve but don't hurt jamie's feelings over here that's that's terrible <laughs> uh, well, you know <laughs>
2: we recorded a show and he hadn't listened to the last memphis show yet but he did afterwards like a day or two later and he texted me out of the blue he goes Oh, man, you got to sing that Steve-O song on the next Georgia show. <laughs> I was like, eh. <laughs> so, we'll see. I can't wait to find Jamie's kryptonite. One day, we're going to get to a wrestler in Georgia, and he's going to be like, I don't like that guy. And I can't wait to see who it is. <laughs> I can't wait to hear the reason. <laughs> I, I,
3: I am intently waiting to see who on earth that could be, because, I mean, he even puts over Ken Patera. Jesus.
2: Well, I think Kenny was a great heel in that period in time. Maybe not so much later, but, <laughs> but in that period of time. Yeah. I enjoyed Kimpeter. He was a lot more slender and and he moved around a lot better. But yeah, we'll get back to Memphis, guys. I do apologize. But like you pointed it out, this is wrestlers crossing over from a lot of the different shows here as uh, we head into a commercial break. And it's Jerry the King Lawler pimping Mid-South Builders. I wrote, is there anything local that he didn't chill?
3: Not much, man. I have to think that almost every local business is like, all right, who can we get to advertise? And somebody's like, Jerry Lawler, we got to get to King. And they're like, all right, let's see if we can afford him.
2: So he's got everything from, from free tanning to free building, it would appear here. Free car work. Yeah, everything. So Jerry Lawler's got it made here. I don't need to tell you guys that. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know there. But when we come back from the commercial break, the ring's still being fixed, presumably. We got the freeze frame video. They don't play it again, sadly there, Gene. But instead, we do get an Adrian Street, I'm in love with me music video. I love this one. The first one I ever saw, actually, you know, Street had a lot of different music videos, but this was the first one for me, probably my favorite.
3: Yeah, it's a favorite for me, too. I was always very amused by these Adrian Street videos, perhaps most by... uh there's something very strange about a cowboy is, a, is another funny one for me as well. But, uh, <laughs> streets, just street was just entertaining on so many levels.
2: No, I loved them. Yeah, you know, the only part that kind of freaked me out as a kid was the bubble bath uh, segment of the video. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh,
3: <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was, uh, it was a little early on Saturday morning for that one, uh, in Memphis. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, you grew up in regions where you got to see Adrian street at a young age. I did not. I grew up, you know, up in Ohio. So, I got Georgia Championship Wrestling. I got the WWF. And that was pretty much it, you know, early on until cable broke in there and whatnot. So my first ever visual sight of Adrian Street, and I don't know if you've ever saw this movie. It's called Grunt, the wrestling movie. It came out around 1985. Oh, yeah. And I actually owned it on tape. It, it wasn't selling off the shelves at the, uh, the local video rental store. So they decided to sell it. They put it under a little glass case. and It was for like five bucks. I bought that shit. I'd never seen it before, but I bought that shit. I brought it home. I probably watched that movie at least a couple dozen times. I, I will I will admit that, guys. You go check it out. It's a very interesting movie, but Adrian Street all over that movie. And I was like, wow, I was fascinated with this guy. And I knew he existed. I'd seen him in the magazines, but that was my first look at him. And I was like, wow, this this guy's awesome.
3: I suggest at some point in time we do a watch-along, of. Uh, oh. but that's just me.
2: No, you know, I haven't watched that movie in probably twenty years, but I probably I bet you as we watch it I'll remember every line in that movie. That's a that's an excellent idea. We will do that. We we will do a video cast of uh, Grunt the Wrestling movie. That would be phenomenal. Great awesome. g- great idea. Awesome. Man, awesome. I've been meaning to watch that again. Now you just gave me a great reason. <laughs> So uh, yeah, coming soon, guys. Stay tuned for that. But right now, it's debut time as we see the blonde bomber Kevin Kelly taking on Ken Raper here. It's our first look at the future nails in the Memphis territory, Kevin Wackles, uh, who has been in the business maybe a year at best at this point. So we've got a guy on one side who once actually cried rape versus a guy on the other side who is confirmed to be a raper, if you will. <laughs>
3: indeed (laughs) indeed we do
2: (laughs) so kevin kelly with lots of old-fashioned clubber in here make dusty roads proud a whole lot of forearms across the back some stomping couple of basic moves thrown in but working that slow plotting new york style that made him famous as nails but finally it's the shoulder breaker of doom followed by an elbow drop awkward Uh, but it's going to give kevin kelly the win three minutes and 18 seconds i wrote That wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen, but Kelly, visibly, extremely green still.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, you think about, I didn't realize how long he had been wrestling when I first saw him. I I guess I first saw him as Mr. Magnificent in AEWa, and I thought he was just starting out then, and that was, what, 87 or so. So I was kind of surprised later on to find out he had been around as long as he had, and even then, and then all the way up to when he was Nails, wasn't all that different. Like, he kind of. Still just a bunch of clubbering. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
2: Indeed. But Kevin Kelly's here, at least for the time being. Nails has arrived in the Memphis territory, guys. As we roll on, Jimmy Hart back out with the Mid American Champion, Iron Mike Sharp. They're out here for a promo. Is Sharp going to talk about beating Jimmy Valiant in the recent Coward Waves the Flag matches, claiming that he had beat Valiant down so bad with his forearm brace that the corner man threw in the flag? Now, he didn't say Jerry Lawler, he said cornerman. Man, so I can't verify that part of the storyline, but I found it interesting that Lance Russell agreed when Mike Sharp said, I beat him down with my forearm brace and I forced him to throw in the towel. Lance kind of gave that, alright, you won the match kind of ordeal there. So, I, we, we we wondered how that finish happened and we thought there were shenanigans involved, but it sounds like Mike Sharp just loaded that brace and knocked Jimmy Valiant silly. Now, I can't confirm Lawler wound up being the Corner Man or not in this, but it's uh, at least we got an answer here.
3: Well, I know in some of the, the house shows, didn't, didn't in some of those promos, didn't Lawler confirm that, you know, I'm going to be out there in Jimmy Vann's corner and then I'm coming back out for a barbed wire match with Eddie right. Gilbert. So I know around the loop he did. I don't know if he was at the Coliseum, but
2: no, um, I, think, I, I would think, assume so. I think he was advertised for all of them. I'm just wondering if something happened storyline yeah. wise uh, on the card to where Lawler wasn't, couldn't make it out there yeah. or something. Along Johnny
3: Wilhoite's out there, right. throwing in the towel. <laughs>
2: Johnny Wilhoite throwing in the towel. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so they sell it here in Memphis, Mike Sharp being from Canada and all that his forearm injury actually came from playing hockey. And I thought they were just joking at first when they said that, but no, that's, that's the story here. He got injured playing hockey. And I wrote, there's just something about Mike Sharp on ice skates. I don't know, Gene.
3: Wow, what what could be more stereotypical than a Canadian who got injured playing hockey? I mean, but what else could it be, right? What a visual.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the big lumbering Mike Sharp on ah, ice
3: skates. <laughs> ah, ah, ah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. So anyways, th- oh, here we go. The promo goes on, and Mike Sharp, he begins to sell a stretcher match, an upcoming stretcher <laughs> match against the Boogie William man, Jimmy Valiant, Handsome Jimmy. In the big stretcher match coming this Monday night at the Coliseum, problem is Lance Russell has to correct him. Let's listen to the promo.
0: Okay, we're going to be in the ring here in just a moment. we got a super tag match coming up. You're going to see Big Iron, Mike Sharp, and Hot Stuff, Eddie Gilbert teaming together to go against the team of uh, the Batten Twins, Mark and Brad. Ought to be a real scrap. Size on one side, and here's Big Iron Mike Sharp, holder of the Mid-America Heavyweight that's right, Title. That's,
1: match. Right, that's right, that's right, Mid-America. That's right. You know, I understand this uh, handsome Jimmy Valiant has been stupid enough to put his uh, John Henry on the line to get in the ring with Iron Mike. It seems like he hasn't had enough of this. You know, I clobbered him pretty good in Memphis recently. So badly, so badly, the guy had to give up. His corner gave up. They're waving that flag. (laughs) You think, Sammy, you saw it? Everybody there saw it. They waved the flag. They couldn't take it. You know, this big white arm right here just couldn't take it. Look at that arm, 20 inches of power. You know, I was hammering him right and left all over the ring. He didn't know if he was coming or going. He didn't know if he was up or down. He was inside or outside. And I'll guarantee you, he wants to get in there, and he wants this stretcher. What do they call this, a stretcher match? Is this what they call this?
2: Uh, You got a title on the line. I
0: know.
1: Oh, okay. It's not a stretcher match. This is a title match right here.
2: Wow. Mike Sharp, a little confused there. Doesn't realize what matchup he's in. He doesn't know where he's coming or going, what week it is, what town he's headed to. But I just love that because he said, is that what it is? Is that what it's called? It's a stretcher match, right, Lance? And Lance goes, "Uh, no, it's actually a title match. Oh, okay. It's not a stretcher match. It's a title match. I just wrote LMAO. So it, it was insane.
3: So do you think that's a case of he looked at the wrong week on the booking sheet, perhaps that maybe there's a stretcher match coming up in the next round or, or that's just a complete screw up on his part. Spoiler. Spoiler
2: is I think he has a stretcher match this week in Nashville and Louisville. Uh,
3: uh. I
2: think Louisville, but I know he does have stretcher matches upcoming, but not at the Mid-South Coliseum. And he should know that the main arena match, but I'm I'm having a stretch. No, it's a title. Okay. Okay. But it wasn't it wasn't so much that he screwed up. They if they just moved on. It was it was the way he sold it. Oh, okay, it's not a stretcher match, it's a title match. Like he just <laughs> oh,
3: yeah. okay. You know, we've talked about that, about how hard it must have been to keep all that straight. And I'm sure, you know, if they'd just been shooting one of those, you know, promos in the dressing room with Lance, they would have just stopped and started over. But we're live, right. like you said, we're live on the Saturday morning, so he just has to look like a dumbass on TV. Yeah.
1: Instead, we get this. He wants to get in there, and he wants this stretcher. What do they call this, a stretcher match? Is this what they call this? Uh, you got a title on the line. I know Oh, okay, true. it's not a stretcher match. This is a title match right here. Mid-American. I love how he
2: sells it. Oh, okay, it's not a oh. stretcher match. It's just ridiculous.
3: Because <laughs> I mean, most people... You know, a lot, of, a lot of guys, you know, I, I, I want to think, like, Eddie Gilbert would be like, well, he better be glad it's not a stretcher match. Because if it was, he'd be on the stretcher. But he's like, oh, oh, okay, my bad. <laughs> I mean, even no sell apologetic.
2: it. Even no sell it. Oh, no, it's a yeah. title match. Oh, all right. Well, no matter what, you know, I- instead he has to, like, you know, his sell oh. job is just amazing. Just amazing. As uh, we yeah. go on, Mike Sharp <laughs> steps aside for good reason. And hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert comes in. And Eddie, the innovator of visuals. I like to call them now here between the UWF and Memphis wrestling, whatever you want to call it anyway. Last time it was a poster board and a boom box for the, this is your life. Jerry Lawler segment this week, hot stuff out here with another smaller poster with the rules of a Texas death match written out here. I wrote, you know, I tease the Memphis budget gene, but without Chirons and all that video technology to use, Eddie Gilbert does do his best to get shit over. He wants to do whatever he can to make his program a success. And you got to give him credit for that.
3: You do. And the, and the most fun thing to me about it is looking back on it years later, having seen tons of Jerry Lawler artwork and tons of programs that I know Jerry Lawler designed <laughs> these signs that Eddie Gilbert are holding each week have been drawn by Jerry Lawler.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. I saw, you know, I, I didn't put two and two together, but as you said that I re-envisioned the, this is your life, Jerry Lawler poster and the top of this Texas Deathmatch rules poster, and you're absolutely... I, I knew where you were going once you got halfway there. So you're absolutely <laughs> right. Jerry Lawler writing, drawing Eddie Gilbert's posters for him. Amazing. If, if People only knew back then.
3: Absolutely. That's <laughs> this is fun facts there.
2: So we head back to the ring. More tag team action here. Hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert teaming with Iron Mike Sharp. They're going to have Jimmy Hart in their corner, taking on the Batten twins, Brad and Mark Batten. And the Batten's take control early on on Eddie Gilbert. Until Mike Sharp catches one of them in the back, back of the head with his forearm. O doom! And the heels go to town on Batten Brad. Lots of tags by the heels here. Lots of mauling. They dominate while Jimmy Hart puts them over on commentary during this one. At one point, Mike Sharp comes outside the ring and launches Brad Batten over the announce desk mid-match, seemingly for no reason at all. But I wrote, "Man, was it fun!" <laughs>
3: Yeah, it was so random. Like you said, just because of the timing of it, you know, a lot of, you know, over the years we've seen matches get out of control and, you know, somebody's ended up getting heaved over the announce table and it goes, you know, everything just breaks <laughs> down from there and the match ends, but to do it in the middle of the match, and then he just ends up throwing him back in and we continue on. It was so random, especially being Mike Sharp being the one you expect not, that from the, the moon dogs or even the right, interns, but right. not Mike Sharp.
2: No, definitely not Mike Sharp. It was like the most unnecessary time I've ever seen somebody whipped over. The announce desk. Usually, I pop for it. This time, I was like, "Get him back in the ring. I don't want to see this mess." So <laughs> they are back inside the ring here.
3: Judging by how the way you handled that promo, Mike would have apologized to you had he heard you say that. Oh, oh, I'm oh, <laughs> oh, sorry okay. about that.
2: Uh, <laughs> sorry, let me take bro. a shower and we'll talk about it after the fact. <laughs> Is uh, back inside the ring. Eddie Gilbert going to try for a couple of Jerry Lawler fist drops throughout the matchup. He's actually going to miss them, but he doesn't really sell it. Kind of weird. Uh, But a nice power slam here from Eddie as he tags back to Iron Mike as we are now eight minutes into this match on TV and the heels have had control for the last seven of those eight. But the crowd's still into this, cheering for the Batten twins as Brad Batten finally musters up some energy, begins fighting back on Mike Sharp, bringing Gilbert into the ring, thus bringing Mark Batten into the ring as well as it's now a four-way melee and the heels collide, center ring. This leading to Jimmy Hart distracting the official and Playboy Frazier coming back to ringside, holding a chair up by the ropes. You love that spot. As Gilbert going mm-hmm. to send one of the Batten's heads right into the chair held by Frazier. And finally, the heel's going to score the win, eight minutes and 57 seconds.
3: My biggest note from the match, and, and I, I'm sure you noticed this too, is like, you, you know, it's a nine minute match, nine minute TV match. Uh-huh. That's treated mostly like a squash match. Right. Yeah. Uh, they control eight minutes of it. There's numerous times, I say numerous, but more than once, they went for a cover, picked the batten up off the mat when they could have pinned them, and then they end up needing interference to get the win. Which I understand is all about keeping the battens, you know, deal going with Playboy Fraser. But just what a weird way to get there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I really didn't see that finish coming. I didn't expect the Battens to win, but I thought we would get that little hot tag, come back, and boom—you know—the heels go over. Maybe they cheat, which is fine. But adding Playboy Fraser to the mix—it just seemed like overkill, really, after dominating the match, like you said, a squash match, uh, basically for eight of the nine minutes here.
3: I, I can say I, I profess to be this a uh, huge fan of Memphis wrestling, and I am. But I mean, we're three weeks in, and I've spent more time scratching my head than anything, you know, and I'm starting to question, like well, some of this booking isn't as good as I remember. <laughs> I maybe feel we're like we're just in a stuff. lull
2: right now. It's just a lull, you know, the reset. We, we talked about this off air before. We, I'm paraphrasing here, but you said something like, man, I hope these people don't listen to these first few episodes with the talent and think, is this what Memphis is all about? Because We're just, you know, a lot of the guys have just left town and we're kind of waiting for things to pick back up here, which it will soon, but it's just, you know, we're, we're waiting for that right now and we're kind of having fun with what, what we got to work with. And sometimes it's, you know, just Playboy Frazier. And that, that's just the way it yeah. is right now. But and you know, nine-minute
3: basic squash matches. Yeah, not even a hot tag.
2: They didn't even do the hot tag spot. I mean, it just Mark Batten came in and they went to the finish. But I wrote second tag team match in a row here that the illegal man scores a win. Do better, Jerry Calhoun.
3: Yes, yes, Jerry. Focus Wait, more is, on your refereeing duties than your job at Federal Express. What?
2: What is this? AEW?
3: <laughs> hey now.
2: Well, I'd make the joke that we're going to lose some listeners, but ain't no AEW fans listening to this show anyway. So no. That's... <laughs> no, no,
3: no one who is entertained by AEW gives a damn about Memphis from 1985. We are safe, I promise you.
2: So I, I made this observation on my own here, uh, as this match came to a conclusion. I wrote, "What was great about Eddie Gilbert was he? Well, obviously he was a great worker, great psychology, great talker." So his size, it didn't deter him from main eventing against the likes of Jerry Lawler. But at the same time, he was so good in the ring as a wrestler and, and a bit on the smaller side, obviously, that he could still get in the ring with a Johnny Wilhoyt or the Battens, and he didn't really bat an eye. Like, it wasn't like, why is he having trouble with these guys? Like, Eddie made everything work when he got in the ring, whether it was Lawler or Johnny Wilhoyt.
3: Yeah, he really did. He was, he's a, he's a lot better worker than he's given credit for by a lot of people and I guess it was strictly because of his size why so many people like Watts and everybody you know seemed to lean more towards wanting to make him a manager but you know here in Memphis he was as good as anybody ever was so I'm glad he got the you know chance to showcase that here and he got plenty of opportunities other places don't get me wrong I'm just saying I think a lot of people had to it took a time to see past his his size or lack thereof a lot of times to take him seriously, especially as a heel.
2: Boy, you know, Memphis usually promo heavy anyway, but as I look through my notes here, man, we, like the next three segments, just all promos here. As uh, we continue on, it's the Playboy, Playboy Frazier, Stan Frazier, the future Uncle Elmer with Jimmy Hart out here right after their shenanigans here in that last tag team matchup. The Playboy downplays his interference in the previous match and he calls Lance, you Nana knows nut. I had to pop for that one. I ain't cheating. What are you talking a, about, you nana nose nut?
3: That is a distinctly Playboy Frazier statement right there. <laughs> <I> like
2: <laughs> So the the Playboy putting down the battens, referring to them as two midgets that can't beat them. In fact, 10 midgets can't beat them. I'd like to have seen that matchup as they the fans begin to chant pig pen. And you got to love those Memphis fans. What a creative chanter, pig pen.
3: <laughs> yeah, I could see. A Playboy Frazier versus ten midgets match happened. I'm not going to look ahead to see, but I can <laughs> certainly see that be foreshadowing, you know, a possibility.
2: Hey, that goes back to Grunt the Wrestling movie. I believe there's a matchup with <laughs> like four or five midgets against the mask. So you know, we, we'll get some of that. <laughs> but yeah, don't I, worry, I, folks, I, it's coming. I heard the fans chanting. I go, are they chanting Pigpen? Because I'm not familiar with that that chant. If that's a, a ongoing thing with Playboy Fraser here in the territory. But he actually says, they call me Pigpen Pan again. So I said, oh, my God, that is what they're saying. All right. So yep. very intriguing here as we go on a jury, the King Lawler promo. Finally gracing us with the King here on the Memphis Wrestling Studio this week. It's Lance still disgusted with Jimmy Hart and crew after what we just saw the moments before this. As the King got to join the show, Lance and Lawler encourage the fans not to get involved in the wrestling matches. Just call the Wimpbusters.
3: <laughs> yes. You know, Ghostbusters was a phenomenon at the time and was huge. And of course, as they tended to do uh, when something was huge in pop culture and sure. uh, big around the world, uh, they would find a way to implement it in Memphis, and Wimpbusters was their answer.
2: Who are you going to call Wimpbusters? And of course, Jimmy Hart, the biggest wimp of them all. Uh, but yeah, it's just odd. Out of the, out of the blue, they they bring that up. Hey, don't try this at home, and don't get involved in the matches, fans. So you have to think somebody recently, you know, maybe got involved in a match.
3: Absolutely, there's there's no telling. You know, people people down there, you know, in Memphis. So we, they take our, our wrestling seriously. Sure so uh, there's, I'm, and I'm, I'm more than likely it was probably somebody going after Jimmy Hart, if I had to guess.
2: Well, that that would be my guess as well. Certainly got the heat for it. Uh up next Lawler it's time to talk the Texas death match as The King will take on Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert for the Southern title Lawler reiterating the rules as he sells the Texas death match he says it could go on all night long so pack a lunch Eddie Gilbert wouldn't that be dinner
3: Yeah that's definitely a late lunch so. supper
2: <laughs> Supper in the south right that's what my grandparents called yeah. it
3: Absolutely we eat supper my my dad always called lunch dinner
2: Yes. And that's what my grandparents did. Yeah. It confused me as a kid. Yeah. And then I would go to school and, and say these things and people would look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> me too. I called a shopping cart a buggy. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I had to explain myself at school a few times with the, uh, the Southern v- vocabulary versus, uh, up here in the Ohio. Not so much
3: yes my uh my ex wife was from Cleveland, Ohio, and uh I had to hear that hear about it. she moved to Alabama, but she wanted me <laughs> to conform to speak like I was in Ohio and yeah, nine years of just pure joy
2: is it soda or pop or what is it down there
3: oh man it's it's coke, everything's <laughs> okay, coke okay, it doesn't okay. matter what it is, it's coke, but at the very least it's soda. nothing is pop, okay and yeah, we had that debate many <laughs> a time well when, when you, you said when you said up up she was from Cleveland,
2: yeah. When you said Cleveland I, and, and you had a debate, I was, I was, that was the first, first thing that came to my mind. Yes. Uh, you want to, you, you want to talk crazy. My grandpa called it dope, which I guess was slang for pop, you know, one point in time. And uh, so people would come over the house. Yeah. You want a dope? And they would be like, what? You know, so like, <laughs> <laughs> you, could, you couldn't I've, correct it. I heard though. that one. That's yeah, fun. You, you know, I Googled it years ago and it was like, no, that's actual slang for, you know, for a soda it was dope back in the day anyway, oh. I guess. And. You know he, he just kept with his times and, it, and where he'd fr- where we, where he was from, he didn't realize that other people were like, "What is he offering me exactly?" So yeah, <laughs> this is fun fun times growing up there um so Jerry Lawler though he's talking about this Texas death match with Eddie Gilbert, he talks about it being no disqualification is the king teases using a Tennessee chain, perhaps some fire getting involved here Lawler not yet ready to step down from his throne, so quite a build up here. we had the barbed wire match and. Now that we've upgraded it, how do you upgrade a barbed wire match, a Texas death match? Anything goes.
3: Yeah. I mean, you got to keep ramping up the, the danger. So I, I don't know. I kind of feel like you jumped the gun with barbed wire. I feel yeah, that, like that almost came a little anything fast. is taking a step backwards. <laughs> right. As soon as we heard, you know, that feud started, they did This is your life. And it came back in the next segment. Barbed wire match. I was like, geez, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Slow down. They had like
2: one singles match, right? Like a normal wrestling match. And they went straight. They escalated straight to barbed wire. It was like <laughs> FMW.
3: Yes, that was crazy. And <laughs> I guess the only way you can really sell the Texas death match is being more dangerous. is like it could go all night, which I don't know. As a fan, I, that's not a, it's not a plus for me. Like, damn, I don't want to sit in that metal chair all night. I mean. Yeah, I mean, a good thing.
2: I, I love these guys, but at the same time, I mean, what are they going to look like in an hour from now? I don't know that I want to watch them sit there and uh, kind of crawl across the ring. So I, I, I get you totally. Uh, but, Jeez, well, I we'll got t-
3: school the next day.
2: Come on. <laughs> oh, well, that may be good reason to miss school. Hopefully they'll wrestle through school. That would be awesome.
3: <laughs> that'd, that'd be a fun note to get your mom right? <laughs> there you go.
2: We go on. We heard from the king. Now it's time to hear from handsome Jimmy Valiant. Woo, mercy, baby. Handsome boogie-woogie here this week in the studio. And the one thing Jimmy Valiant knows is that it's Elvis Presley's birthday. He would be 50 now. Well, it it might be his birthday. Now he's not sure. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it's next week. But he knows it's sometime around now. Got to love Jimmy Valiant.
3: Only Jimmy Valiant can get away with that. (laughs) But with Jimmy Valiant, you're like, yeah, yeah, we don't expect him to be, you know, (laughs) with it.
2: Got to I, I do love me some. I grew up uh, loving me Jimmy Valiant from the Crockett territory and whatnot, and I actually finally got to see him work a show here in Cleveland way back in like 1995. And I marked out like a like a damn. T- I'm a freaking teenager, brother, and I'm marking out because Jimmy Valiant had me stand up and give him the high fives, the you know the two hand slaps, and then the booty bump. You know the old gimmick he used to do with with yeah. his tag partners, and I got to do that with Jimmy Valiant,
3: and I was like, oh, that
2: was the awesomest thing ever. What a Well, here's was. a
3: fun fact. I got to wrestle <laughs> Jimmy Valiant three times. Oh, did you do all the stick?
2: You do the, the test of strength, the middle finger,
3: the on your face? Year, this is the year 2000, <laughs> so we did all that paint by numbers. It was all the classic Jimmy Valiant spots. But the fun part for me was, and at this time, I was completely clean-shaven. I was 20 years younger than him. No matter how they introduced me to him, he always thought I was Bo James. I come up and he's like, Bo, baby. Hey, what's up, man? And he would introduce me to people. Oh, me and Bo James, baby. I've been knowing him for, for 25 years and I was <laughs> 21 at the time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> incidentally, I mean, he should, he should know Bo pretty damn well, but um, incidentally, you know, Bo James was on that show as well that I saw Jimmy Valiant. I was actually a t- two or three days in a row, those shows. And it was kind of an odd hodgepodge because you had some of the guys from the South come up, Jimmy Valiant, Manny Fernandez, Bo James was part of that early in his career, but also a very young Christian cage and Sexton Hardcastle came down to work those shows. Johnny Swinger was on those shows. So yeah, it was a, it was a crazy mixture of, of talent for sure.
3: Absolutely. That's fun to know that Jimmy Viant was on a show with those guys. Yeah. Imagine that. Just,
2: I don't think it happened, but man, Sexton Hardcastle. And I love that gimmick by the way, if anybody has the old indie stuff with edge, that was, I liked that far more than I ever liked edge. It was a great character kind of goofy. I
3: was hoping, I was hoping we were getting sexed in Hardcastle instead of Adam Copeland when he came to aid. Oh, that would have been
2: Such. phenomenal, wouldn't it? For sure. Absolutely. So anyways, Boogie Woogie here, he's talking about Elvis's birthday for whatever reason. He's trying to make a point that he never gets to, but he does run down his opponent, his upcoming opponent, Iron Mike Sharp. And I wrote, it's got to be a rib here because he goes into this promo saying that Mike Sharp is Mr. Dirty, says he's never taken a shower or brushed his teeth. Now, of course, that's got to be an inside joke here because Sharp's ocd on being clean is very well known i don't know if you've heard the stories gene
3: oh yeah that's i mean that's that's the most famously relatable stories to iron mike sharp of anybody that's watched any shoot interviews or any kind of stuff like that that, you know most people know that i gotta think somebody like put value up to that like hey hey go out there and say he's (laughs) he's dirty just you know because i don't I don't know, maybe, maybe Valiant Sharper than I think, and he might have came to that his own conclusion. But I don't know. I get to see Lawler pull it inside. I go, hey, hey, go out there and say he's Mr. Dirty, and he never showers. And it's like he's going <laughs> to he's gonna go run the water out of his hotel after he leaves here. I,
2: I was going to say, Mike Sharp going to probably go right back and take another shower after the promo here. But it's so funny he called him Mr. Dirty. You never took a shower. And the story is, if people don't know, I think it was Boston Garden that Mike Sharp got in the shower after his match in the first half of a card. And he was still showering after the main event, and they actually closed down the Boston Garden, and he got locked in there overnight.
3: That is so crazy. Yeah, it's
2: it's insane. They would talk about how he would begin taking showers prior to intermission and still be there after the last match in the shower.
3: <laughs> I mean, that's borderline a shower fetish almost. I mean, that's <laughs> it's, it's something a whole other thing.
2: For sure. But a Jimmy Valiant showing off his secret weapon for his rematch here with Sharp the next time around as he holds up his very own... Arm brace, the same type of arm brace that Mike Sharp wears. Jimmy Valiant has one on his as well now. And a kiss for Lancer there who has a big laugh with Handsome Jimmy.
3: Fight fire with fire. You know, we found out in the Coward Waves the Flag, whomever was in the corner uh, felt compelled to wave the flag because he got beat down so badly, so brutally, by that seemingly leather arm brace that, you know, we assume is loaded. Uh that he had to go get one of his own and what better what better way to fight fire with fire, right?
2: Absolutely. So we get another rundown here of the big Monday night card after the Valiant promo. Five big title matches plus a ten man tag team match shaping up to be a big night there in the Mid South Coliseum Gene. And then surprise it's another Jerry Lawler interview. Because <laughs> what's better than one Lawler interview? Why two, of course. And real quick, Jerry just wants to introduce a new wrestler to the territory by the name of Rock and Roll Buck Zumhoff. Yay. He says, everybody's going to like this guy. So says the King, giving Buck a stamp of approval here. Apparently Buck called the Memphis office. It sounded like a shoot here when Lawler explained this. He He called the Memphis office last week looking for work. And Lawler, I guess he put in the good word for him. So we have Jerry Lawler to thank for the pedo here in Memphis wrestling.
3: Uh... Not going to touch that okay. one because of the implications that could go along with it for other people involved, but anyway, I think yeah uh, I, I think you're right, I think if there was ever a time where somebody just shot it straight and told the real story, I'm sure that is exactly how that played yeah, out yeah that's
2: that sounded he, like a legit you know, hey, he was calling looking for work last week in the Memphis office, and Eddie Marlin said, "Hey, do you know this guy?" and I said, "Yeah, he's cool, go on and bring him in so it's like I, I,
3: Man, I have to be honest, like all the real life stuff off the table that came out about that dude, what a scumbag he turned out to be. Mm-hmm. I could not make myself give one ounce of a shit about Bug Zoomhoff as a kid, even though no. he had a jam box and all of that. I, every time he came to the ring, I left the room to go get a drink. Yeah, or, I, I, know, I, it, it just never worked him. for
2: me. Never, never worked. It just looked like a white trash guy that should be roofing somewhere. I mean, really, it's, yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, and the story goes, he hated rock and roll. And he hated carrying around the boom box. I guess he was into, like, country, like, you know, old-school country. And um, yeah. that, And he just he hated the gimmick. He hated all of that. But, you know, it, it was what they gave him, and it was really the only thing that got him over with the people that he was over with. Although, again, like you said, long before I knew any of this stuff came out, I was just never a fan to begin with.
3: So had he had his way, he would have been carrying around a radio listening to that John Denver song they played in the Terry Taylor video a couple of weeks ago, but Perhaps. instead he had to play rock and roll.
2: <laughs> Maybe a little Myrtle Haggard in there too, I'm sure. There you There's, go. Uh, we go back to the ring. One more match up here to the expiration of time. It's six-man tag team action. Jimmy Valiant, Jerry Lawler, and Buck Zoomhoff taking on the team of Jerry Bryant, the executioner, and Joe Lightfoot. And Lawler going to start out holding his own against Lightfoot here as the fans begin chanting "Rock and Roll," I wrote, "If they only knew, Gene." As Jerry Bryant tags in and knocks the King flat on his ass, oh, you know he's going to pay for that. Lawler back up and pops Bryant, who goes flying high into the air. It's as if his job depended on it. And the tag then made to Rock and Roll Zoomhof. He's in with a running drop kick, rings Bryant's bell, and now Boogie's turn. In the ring, locking in the sleeper on Bryant, but in comes Lightfoot. So Boogie releases the sleeper on. Bryant and locks it on Lightfoot. And then we continue the succession with the Masked Man comes in and he too gets the sleeper hold from Jimmy Valiant. So a fun little comedy bit there. And the Executioner doesn't tag in, but somehow becomes the legal man. As apparently it's Lucha Rules all day long here in the studio, Gene. This is the third match this has happened in here in the last 90 minutes. As a double backdrop by the King and Zoom uh, Zoom off on the Masked Man and Valiant dropping the big elbow, pinning the Executioner Four minutes and thirteen seconds, one fall to close the show.
3: Mercifully, that was all we had to see of that match. Yeah,
2: and that was not very good. The Lawler Bryant exchange would lasted about five seconds. It's probably the only thing I cared for there.
3: I'm proud because a friend of mine told me that he knew this match was coming up. He's kind of watching along with us that I should make the joke that Lawler <laughs> and Zumhoff <Zoom> <laughs> met in middle schools. Uh <laughs> Oh, I did. I didn't. So I'm glad that I did because well. I would have felt bad. We're not recording at this moment, are we? Huh?
2: <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the mic is always live as uh, we roll on. So we close out the TV program. Now, later that night in the fairgrounds in Nashville, January 19th, advertised card. I don't have the results, but the card looked like this. It was Buck Zumhoff taking on Johnny Wilhoit. The Batten's still wrestling Stan Frazier in some of the towns. It's Frazier's where it's these stipulations where Frazier must beat both Batten's in 10 minutes or give them $500. Also the dirty white boys taking on Kevin Kelly and Adrian street. Not as, not as cool as Adrian street and Frazier by any means. Also Jimmy Valiant taking on Mike Sharp in a, stretcher match.
1: He hey. wants to get in there, and he wants this stretcher. What do they call this, a stretcher match? Is this what they call this?
0: Uh, you got a title on the line. I know Oh,
1: okay, it's not a stretcher match. This is a title match right here. Mid-American. Wouldn't it have been awesome oh, if he came okay. back out? <laughs> oh, okay, it's
2: okay. would it be awesome <laughs> <laughs> if he came back out later? He's like, yeah, I got a title match, and Lance's like, no, it's a stretcher match in Nashville. That would have been phenomenal if he screwed yes. up. <laughs> but... <laughs> Here it is, stretcher match. He he was right. He did have one coming up later that night, uh, the same day as the the TV program. So that's probably what he was thinking about here. This is the one that caught my eye. It's the Macho Man Randy Savage. And last week, he's basically playing Jerry Lawler versus Eddie Gilbert here in Nashville. Savage and Gilbert, barbed wire match. If Savage wins, it gets five minutes with manager Jimmy Hart. But really, I don't care about the Jimmy Hart part. Just show me Eddie Gilbert and Randy Savage and barbed wire.
3: No kidding, like. That's fun, because i I have never seen one ounce of footage in my life of Randy Savage in a barbed wire match.
2: No, I mean, in That's such a to think about. such an odd matchup. Anyway, we talked about that before. Randy Savage and Eddie Gilbert. I don't know about me. It's just an interesting dynamic of a match. I just don't recall ever seeing. So them working matches like a barbed wire match just really intrigues me. But like you said, the Macho Man and barbed wire. Yeah, I would like to. I would love to see that.
3: Yeah, I would have loved to them him had a full-on feud on the main show on TV to, oh, yeah. to get the promos and the whole bit, because that, that could have been fun. But like you said, in this in this instance, he's just playing the role of Jerry Lawler in Nashville.
2: Kind of intriguing, too, that we see Randy Savage working a lot of these house shows, even the Coliseum, but he's not really appearing on TV at this point in time.
3: Yeah, yeah, it makes you wonder, you know, are we already headed down that road of— going away or what's what's the reasoning there because I mean you think you want savage on your TV as much as possible promoting anything he's doing and it's just not happening
2: oh well obviously he's uh he's cash money for sure as we roll on to the following day Sunday January 20th the Jerry Lawler show guys it's back we have it here this week a special 11 30 start time and it's Super Bowl Sunday gene. Yes, this year, it's Joe Montana and the Niners defeating Dan Marino and the Miami Dolphins, a very legendary game throughout Super Bowl history. Joe Montana and Dan Marino, even non-football fans, have to know those names.
3: Oh, absolutely, because I'm not the least bit of a football fan and don't follow it at all, but I remember all the hype surrounding that, and my friends were sure excited.
2: Yeah, Jerry Lawler probably a little bummed, along with me, that the Cleveland Browns did not make it, but uh, that's uh, that story continues to this day. As we continue on here in the show, in the studio, this is an odd one, the Dirty White Boys video going to play, first by Foreigner. Uh, so much to say here about this music video, Gene. We'll get to that in just a minute. But it's going to be a sit-down interview in the studio with the Dirty White Boys, who Jerry Lawler refers to as an unusual treat. But I wrote, think about this. If you're familiar with Jerry Lawler, but you don't watch wrestling in Memphis, and then this Sits down on the local morning talk show. This is what you're looking at. How do you explain that to somebody?
3: I, I don't know that you can. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was one of those things that you, you had to see it to, to really believe it, because it, Dre- it looked bizarre on Dressed TV. Dressed in
2: full character, guys. Yes. Which I get. I'm not even arguing that. I'm not saying they should have came out in suits or anything like that. But just on Sunday morning television, a talk show... It's, it's a little bit removed from wrestling, not all the way. Obviously, he shills it here, but it's still odd. Now, let's talk about that music video for a minute if you want to. Just some of the uh, odd. What was it with the Memphis videos where everybody had to point at the screen or do that? Like, well, you think they're frozen in time, but then they, they start moving and their arm kind of swings to the screen. They give you that point. Even the Dirty White Boys are doing it here.
3: Yeah, they definitely, I mean, you could tell the same person was directing all these, and he had about four (laughs) moves, like, all right, so this is where you point, and this is where, you know, like, then they just kind of went through them in sequence. Boy, they don't age well, is all I can say.
2: Never mind that the Fabulous Ones are so far off from the Dirty White Boys, that they're both doing the same exact poses. That's just (laughs) odd. But, like, why not have them, like, you know, steal a hubcap or, or something like that? Instead, you know, we just see a wall. Uh, with the words "dirty white boys" spray painted on it, we see the Confederate flag, which was a, is a bad of a thing back then. Uh, you know they're holding a spray paint can, so we have to presume they're the ones that did the painting, even though they don't actually show them do it. But uh, yeah, they're they're dirty white boys, dirty white boys. As Jerry Lawler going to address their past feud between the King and the Dirty Boys, uh, but they've seen Jimmy Hart for what he is now. They say Jimmy Hart made a lot of promises to them, but then he no showed their first title match, and then he came out and cost them. Their second title opportunity as well so the dirty white boys do what they want to do at this point and jimmy hart he simply couldn't take it anymore so they kicked him to the curb and uh so this week at the mid-south coliseum it's going to be the white boys taking on the interns and should they get the win not only will they get those southern titles but they'll also get five minutes with jimmy hart
3: yeah i mean uh can you imagine them two uh, getting five minutes with Jimmy Hart? I mean, that's would have been a good way to send uh, Jimmy Hart out of town. If you know, if we were already to that point, but of course, you know, we're a little we're a little ways away from that. So uh, not too far, not too far. But you know, of course, you know, when it comes time to go, it has to be the king. But you know, not to jump ahead, uh, but. <laughs> but I know as a fan, uh, if, if I'm getting riled up at all this shenanigans by Jimmy Hart to the point that you know fans are trying to go after him and things like that, I'm plopping down money for a ticket on the off chance that I might see both Dirty White Boys get five minutes with Jimmy Hart.
2: Sure. It was an easy go-to gimmick. We just talked about it in Nashville. Should Savage beat Eddie Gilbert in the Barbed Wire match? He was going to get five. Now, there's two Dirty White Boys, right? But I'd rather see one Randy Savage get a hold of Jimmy Hart.
3: True. That that is very true. Yeah, I guess I, I guess if you told me like, well, you can you can fight the dirty white boys as a pair, or you can fight Savage. Like, I'll try my luck with the dirty white boys. I
2: guess you know? I probably won't win either way, but I'll, I'll yeah, exactly. I'll try my luck with uh Denton and Anthony here as they talk about getting cheers from the fans. Lynn Denton even sharing. I I thought it was a shoot story here about a brawl in the Mid South Coliseum. They would wrestled up into the crowd when they were heels and a fan landing what he called a good punch, but it didn't knock him down. He was proud of that. Jerry Lawler even recalls the story with him, which is why I have to assume it was true.
3: Yeah, and it seems like there's kind of a theme here where they're kind of wanting to address fans getting involved. And, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. This comes up twice in two days' time yeah. here on the show. So. Yeah, good point.
2: So, uh, as guests of the Jerry Lawler Show, Gene, they receive gift cards to TGI Fridays. Wow. And a gym membership for a year. I don't know how legit that was other than to get the name of the the sponsor on the TV. But these guys receive gift cards to Fridays as uh, they get about a third of the show's time here trying to get them over. But, man, do you think any of that was legit, any of the gifts they got for being on The Lawler Show?
3: I I don't know. But if you look at the Dirty White Boys as a gimmick, like, it's like, okay, can we think of two things that there's no chance the Dirty White Boys are going to use? Probably not a gift card at TGI Fridays and definitely not a gym membership. (laughs) Well, there's
2: beer at TGI Fridays, so I'd like to – I envision them sitting there and having having a few of those anyway. But he doesn't say how much the gift card is for. Tater skins and and beer, hell yeah. I'm in. I can see that. And and again, you know, I don't know how much the gift card was for. They made sure not to mention that on the TV
3: program. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure whatever it was, it was probably better than your average Memphis payoff, so –
2: Well, true that, especially if, you know, well, yeah, if your name's not Jerry Lawler anyway, as uh, we go, go on for the show, the dirty white boys leave us and it's time for viewer mail.
0: We are back on the show and uh, it's time now for our viewer mail segment. And our question this week is from Jennifer Daniels of Martin, Tennessee. And the question is for me. And it says, dear Jerry, I love your show. And I think you're a very, very sexy guy. Uh, Jennifer. Thank you. Eight years old. (laughs) No, I'm only kidding. So my question is for you, and why? Says why can't you keep your promise, and get rid of the wimp, Jimmy Hart,
3: once and for all?
2: As Jennifer writes in and calls Jerry Lawler a sexy guy, it's at this point Jerry Lawler jokes that she's only eight years old, guys, and I'll just leave that there, Gene. Unless you want to take it.
3: <laughs> it's like call me back in nine years.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh- Jerry, Cut. what are we doing? <laughs> what what are we
3: doing? Uh, um, yeah, this but, isn't live. That's all no, I'm saying.
2: Head, <laughs> well, yeah, well, you'll see.
0: As uh, And the question is for me, and it says, Dear Jerry, I love your show, and I think you're a very, very sexy guy. Uh, Jennifer, thank you. Jennifer, eight
3: years old. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding.
2: You guys can actually go watch this on YouTube. I'm not making this shit up. Jerry Lawler, of all people, says, you know, Jennifer referred to him as a sexy guy, and he, and he literally sits there and says, And she's only eight years old. I was like, what the fuck?
3: Thank God her name wasn't (laughs) Stacy.
2: Oh, no. Yeah, but of course, I'm I'm just joking, guys. But I mean, (laughs) in hindsight, just crazy. As um, the question this week is, will Jerry Lawler keep his promise and get rid of the wimp Jimmy Hart once and for all? Lawler's response, one of these days. And you don't know how true that's going to be. Supposedly, though, as we move on here. We were supposed to hear from Adrian Street as well, but he has not arrived in the studio. Or at least that's the story. So instead, we get Troy Graham, a Troy Graham promo up on the video wall. And within seconds, Graham explains the mystery. Why did Johnny Wilhoyt team with Jerry Lawler after he was eliminated in the Southern Tag Team title tournament? Who did he replace? Well, I suspected before it was maybe Steve-O, who was no-showing at the time. But apparently, Troy right here asks Jerry Lawler, what happened to your partner, Austin Idol? So Idol apparently originally, oh. originally announced as Lawless partner. So the mystery has been solved.
3: A whole no-show Jones himself, Austin <laughs> Idol. Well, that checks out. That makes a lot of sense.
2: Well, I, I did right here in my notes. What a shock. <laughs> yes. Oh, darling, come on now. Uh, uh, any- I got a
3: fun story for that one day, but we won't take time right now. But Okay,
2: well, we'll save it. We'll save it for a, a lighter week and we'll definitely get that in. I'll make sure to put that in yeah. my notes. Troy Graham, his interns, once again, the Southern Tag Team champions. They talk about tomorrow night, the Mid-South Coliseum, the stipulation where the white boys may get five minutes with Jimmy Hart. Off-topic, though, Jerry asks, who will win the Super Bowl? As Graham quips, who's in it? Uh, this ain't football. This is wrestling, baby. Baby. So, got to love Troy Graham. But the way Lawler asked the question, it seemed like Troy really was a legit football fan, but his response was just, I loved it.
3: Yeah, it was It, it, it was perfect. Uh, I forget how much uh, I enjoyed Troy Graham, but as we're each week as we're watching these shows, I was like, "Gosh, man, he was he was good at what he did."
2: Underrated as one of the really the greatest promos ever.
3: Absolutely.
2: Just never really put into position to really you know make money with it, but yeah, I mean I mean the guy was quick and he was good, and uh, you know it's, you know it's unfortunate we've talked about that already and whatnot, but yeah, it was fun just sitting here. Jerry Lawler straight shooting because Lawler's a huge football fan, everybody knows, big baseball fan the Cleveland Indians, well, Guardians now, I still call them the Indians, the Cleveland Browns, but he loves football, and I, I think he was really straight shooting here with the heel Troy Graham, and he was like, you know, who do you think's going to win? And I love Troy Graham, came right back. Didn't even take a, a second to think. Uh, you know, I, I don't watch that crap, you know, so it was great. This is wrestling, baby, and uh, that's that's a uh, great
3: sell I there. I mean, what's the, a bigger heel move than to bury the Super Bowl, but he doesn't <laughs> care enough to even know who's in it. You know, right, the there's right. people cussing their TV like, what? How dare you? How do you
2: not know? There's only three channels back here.
3: Exactly.
2: (laughs) Uh, Jerry Lawler then going to run down the Monday night Mid-South Coliseum card, sells his match like he's just another person. He's like, oh, Jerry Lawler's in action, taking on Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. in Texas." It was so weird hearing Lawler refer to himself like he's not Jerry Lawler.
3: (laughs) Yeah, like he was some random announcer. Right, right. We weren't even seeing him there.
2: (laughs) From there, we get another Adrian Street music video. This time it's Imagine What I Could Do To You. Now, that one creeped me out. As a kid growing up, imagine what I could do to you. As Jerry Lawler asks, he ain't right, is he? I wrote LOL. I love Lawler's response after the video. He just looked into the camera and said, he ain't right, is he?
3: (laughs) It was perfect. And like we said about Troy Graham, make no mistake, Lawler's very quick as well, as we've seen over the years, but even back then. And if you've never, folks, if you've never listened to that song, imagine what I could do to you from Aiden Street. Go on YouTube and look up the video and listen to some of the things he names off. It's pretty hilarious.
2: Yeah, it's it's something. You know, I loved Adrian Street. I loved the character. I loved watching him work. I was always infatuated with him growing up. I loved his music videos. You know, I, I, I marked out for Adrian Street, but for some reason, this particular video just gave me all the creeps, I guess. <laughs> I just uh, never really got into this one particular video for from Adrian.
3: Yeah, it is definitely creepy, especially when you're uh, a young person, <laughs> but uh sure. I, I never paid for years. I never really paid it that close of attention. Then when I actually listened to some of the things he was saying, I could tear a ter- telephone directory into bending iron bars or something else I can do. And, and then there's like, I always pick my teeth with the nearest billiard cue. And I'm like, that's random and strange. Like that's well, not even tough. That's just saying you don't have you know teeth. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's an insult. You would give somebody like you pick your teeth with a billiard cue. It's like something well, they say to old pick Ben there. <laughs> A door down
1: with one hand behind my back I can crush a grizzly till his bones begin to crack I eat a dozen T-bones for my early morning snack So imagine what I could do to you
3: Mmm I could tear a telephone directory in two Bending iron bars is something else that I can do I always pick my teeth with the nearest billiard cue.
1: So imagine what I could
2: do to you. Mm. It's safe to say he probably wrote his own lyrics anyway. As Jerry Lawler claims that Adrian Street has arrived at the studio, but they don't have time for him now. And I'm not sure how legit any of that was. I don't know that Adrian was ever supposed to be there, or if he was, he likely never arrived. But Lawler using that for an excuse because we don't have time for Adrian Street because up next on the program, it's Memphis Area Boxers, guys. And Gene, you won't believe this based on some of the other shows you've listened to me on, I'm sure, but I actually went to BoxRec.com, so don't say I don't take my research seriously, guys. And I looked these two guys up, Gene, believe it or not.
3: I would expect no less <laughs> from you, my friend.
2: You probably thought this was going to be like a throwaway 30-second deal, and instead I, I look up these these guys here.
3: I was oh, expecting they, to go, yeah, and then he rambled on about some boxers. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, so... Like,
2: there's there's two guys. They come out. And they speak with Jerry Lawler. Young looking kids at the time, Knox Brown and Robert Dixon. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna Google their names, and if something comes up, I'm gonna take notes. If it doesn't, that's fine. I'll move on. Sadly, unfortunately, things came up, so I, I took notes. Uh, so Knox Brown, the the Caucasian of the two, he started back in 1983, and his record was seven and two heading into this show. I just want to put some context on these guys, and they were selling out up an upcoming boxing card. A few days later at the Cook Convention Center, which is where Memphis would run sometimes if they couldn't get the Mid-South Coliseum. And uh, so this guy actually goes on and he wins there as well. So this guy was pretty serious. He's got videos on YouTube. He even appeared on USA's Tuesday Night Fights. So this guy actually became a little bit of something.
3: Yeah,
2: okay. Meanwhile, (laughs) I can't say the same for Mr. Robert Dixon. He he started 1984 had a 30 and 1 record at this point here when he appeared on the show now he'll win again in 2 days time at the Cook Convention Center uh though he does lose his last 10 in a row before retiring so uh Robert D- Dixon not, not as successful as Knox Brown but Jerry Lawler promises them if they win their fights this Tuesday night which they both do then they'll be back in the show I wrote we'll see <laughs> Yeah, so you, know, wrong. you never know who's going to appear in that last segment on the Jerry Lawler's show. It just gets better every week. As uh, we roll on now to the Mid-South Coliseum, January the 21st. Advertised card, five championship matches, a night of champions, if you will. Now the undercard looks like this. Buck Zoomhoff taking on Jerry Bryant, Kevin Kelly going against Leaping Lanny Poffo, and Johnny Wilhoit scheduled to take on, well, his sometimes tag team partner, at least as of late, David Haskins. Also on the card, wow, 10-man tag, Danny Hager, Joe Lightfoot, the Nightmares, and Playboy Frazier to take on the team of the Batten Twins, the Daydreamers, and Tojo Yamamoto. And remember, Gene, I said five title matches, including the Nature Boy, Buddy Landell, coming to town to defend his Central States title against the Macho Man. Boy, wouldn't that have been a match?
3: Wow, yes. I'm a big Buddy Landell Oh, as am I, as uh, am I. Would love to see that
2: one. I would have, too. Also... International champion Terry Taylor back in town to defend his title against the exotic Adrian Street. Jimmy Valiant going for Mike Sharp's mid-American title. Remember, it is not a
1: stretcher match, guys. He wants to get in there, and he wants this stretcher. What do they call this, a stretcher match? Is this what they call this? Uh,
0: you got a title on the line.
1: I know Oh, that. okay, it's not a stretcher match. This is a title match oh, right American here. Belt. Mid-American.
2: Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I pop every time I hear it. I try not to, and I... I just, I can't help my, oh, okay. So uh, it is not a stretcher match, guys. They should have actually put that on the screen, blinking lights. Uh, Not a stretcher match, not a stretcher match. No, it's a title match. Mid-American title on the line, Mike Sharp defending against Jimmy Valiant. Also, it's the interns defending the Southern titles against the Dirty White Boys. If you don't know by now, should the White Boys win, they'll get five minutes with Jimmy Hart. And the main event, Jerry Lawler defending his Southern title against Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert in a Texas death match. Advertised ticket prices, 4 5 and $6. My God, and under 10 years old, only $1 buck to hit this giant show. Amazing.
3: Man, I tell you what, this is the biggest card we've built up so far. We're three <laughs> weeks in, and we've had some, you know, decent cards. But man, title matches, Texas death match. Ten-man tag. Championship matches, ten-man tags. I cannot wait to talk about this show, Ray. Let's get into it.
2: Well, let's do it. You tell them.
3: All right. So what you need to know about this card, folks, <laughs> is it didn't happen.
2: Oh, you've got to be shitting
3: snow, me. No. Snow. Which is ironic because here where I live in the state of Alabama, uh, half the state shut down because of snow for almost an entire week. We got lucky where I'm at and it missed us. It was just deathly cold, but right above me in Huntsville and different places, uh, they didn't go to work for over a week. And uh, this was one of those instances in the South where it came a big snowfall and record cold temperatures, right. and the big gigantic card that we're all looking forward to did not happen.
2: And thus Terry Taylor, and thus Terry Taylor will keep the international title for another six or seven months. Uh because I guess I, you have to imagine he was coming here to drop the belt to Adrian Street before he heads back down to the mid south, but it doesn't take it doesn't take place here. And I'm, and sadly, some of these other matches like Savage and Landell, I don't know that we ever get that either.
3: No, there was some uh, a few matches on this card that uh, just did not happen. It was just uh, poof, gone. Yeah, that's so.
2: that's, that's a total Shame. bummer. Here, the matches I was looking most forward to, we not we're never going to get to see. Now we'll have to wait and see next week what they do with this Texas death match. We know Lawler's going to stick around. Eddie Gilbert's still going to be here for a little bit. So we'll have to wait and see if they, they reschedule that one, a little rain check for that match anyway or not. Uh, but for now, it's
3: going to be even more confused because he's going to be like, <laughs> now, is this a stretcher match? But since we didn't do the other match, is it not a stretcher match? I, I, I don't know, Lance. I'm confused.
2: Well, now I'm confused. I don't know what the hell's going on around oh, here. Oh, come on, Mike. I don't know. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, okay. Go take a shower, Mike. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So sadly, guys, the the show doesn't take place. And like you said, it wasn't just snow, but record cold temperatures in the area at that point in time. So very, very icy weather, snow. I don't know. I don't know the inches. I didn't watch Dave Brown at the time. So I don't know. I was I know to what...
3: say, Dave Brown, <laughs> Dave Brown should have known this was coming and gave us a heads up. Yeah. Lance didn't. Monday.
2: Lance put Dave Brown over when he saw it coming. But when he didn't see it coming, no mention of it at all. That's all right.
3: Oh, come on, Davy. What
2: are you doing? Ah, <laughs> oh, Davey, come on now. <laughs> oh man. Okay, we got one more piece of business here, guys, before we wrap it up here this week, Gene, and that's off to the Louisville Gardens. We got we, we couldn't talk talk about the Coliseum, so at least we'll get in the gardens here the following day, January the twenty second. The attendance, however, only twenty two hundred fans. That's just over a third full here in the gardens. Now a schedule for the card, it was supposed to be six big matches. And and yes, guys, I'm not going <laughs> to throw you for another swerve. The the show actually does take place. Just some of the talent doesn't make it here. But six matches originally scheduled for the card. Buck Zuma versus Kevin Kelly. So you have a guy pretending to be a prisoner versus a guy who is currently in prison. So should that match have taken place, neither guy actually winds up showing up for this matchup. Uh, also, return matchup. No disqualification, no time limit. What an odd match. Lanny Poffo versus Joe Lightfoot. Wouldn't you like to know what happened the first time around?
3: Boy, don't you know if there's two guys on a car you're like, man, let's throw out the DQs, let's throw out the time let's let's let these guys just throw down and fight Joe Lightfoot and Lanny Poffo. All right.
2: Feels like something you would stick in a main event at a high school or, or something along those lines. <laughs>
3: yes. <laughs> We're coming to the side of the road in VFE, Tennessee, and we're <laughs> going to have go. a no DQ, no time limit, Joe Lightfoot versus Lanny Poffo. <laughs> and, of course, the undercard is Buck Zumoff versus Kevin Kelly.
2: Now, I won't leave you guys in suspense. Joe Lightfoot also doesn't make the show, so Lanny Poffo oh. going to actually take on uh, someone else. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Now, only three guys missed this show. It's Zoomoff, Kelly, and Joe Lightfoot here. But, in- unfortunately, we don't get that no DQ, no time limit matchup. We'll have to wait and see if they bring it back next time around. Also on the card, Randy Savage taking on Adrian Street. Would love to have seen that. And $500, the Nightmare's putting up 500 bucks. So wait a minute, they have as much together as Playboy Frazier does by him. So, well, he's got all those nuggets and whatnot, I guess. Ah, uh, he is shaking the nuggets off right now, Randy. But it's the Nightmare's putting $500 up against the masks of the Daydreamers, who simply don't appear enough on, on Memphis TV.
3: No, I mean, they were shoved them down our throats there at first. And, you know, now they're just popping up on these cards, but we're not seeing them on TV. Need, How need are Buck we supposed Zoom to off? stay excited?
2: Got to keep uh, Buck Zoom off on, on the TV screens, I suppose. Also, uh, Buck Zoom
3: he... found out this card wasn't going to happen at a school and backed out at the last moment. Wow. Wow. Woof.
2: Uh, is that what happened? Okay. Well, that that's, it, it could be true. Uh, The interns taking on the Dirty White Boys, another gimmick with the five minutes Jimmy Hart deal. And then in the main event, Iron Mike Sharp and Eddie Gilbert teaming up to take on the pair of Jerry Lawler and Jimmy Valiant in a Texas death stretcher match. And the only way to win there, you have to send out one of your opponents on a stretcher. So Mike Sharp, all sorts of confused.
3: Well, I was going to say, why didn't we just go ahead and throw the barbed wire in there too, just to hit all three of the recent match stipulations
2: well for jerry lawler yes but maybe mike sharp doesn't want to get near the barbed wire who knows maybe he uh declined i know what you guys are paying me or aren't paying me i'm not doing that
3: do you know how long i'll have to shower after a <laughs> oh my god can you barbed imagine? wire match if i get bloody
2: oh and somebody else's blood my god be in the shower all night oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the, the great tennis of the great kentucky water shortage of okay. 1985
2: I was gonna say. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, before we get to the results here in the Louisville Gardens, right now we're going to go off to Lance Russell standing by with a few promos here. He's going to talk to Troy Graham, the interns, Jimmy Hart, Iron Mike Sharp, and Eddie Gilbert.
0: We're talking about Tuesday night, Louisville Gardens, and what a wild night that's going to be. Dirty White Boys against Troy Graham's interns, and if they can beat the interns, they get five minutes with Jimmy Hart. Well, don't be so negative, please. Let me tell you something. We talked on the phone earlier. This is the money that this we wanted, right, to take care hey, of Jimmy hey, Hart? Baby, that's it right that's there. That's right. Green, know, five green. minutes. Five minutes in the ring, Dirty White Boys. Oh, love of money, baby. You have nothing to worry about. You're safe. There's a baby in this mammy's arms. Louis Okay, hey, why? We're coming, baby. we got the green. Here, hold on. Tuesday night, and we find out. In the Dirty family. White Look, white some white. extra money for these guys. But just in case, I'm going to be at ringside, and Iron Mike and Eddie are going to be watching my back, too. Iron Mike and Eddie have got themselves a handful with Lawler and Valiant in a Texas Tornado stretcher match. All four men in the ring, and that means that you go until somebody's carried out on a stretcher. You know, Jerry Lawler's got more guts than what I thought he'd. he's got about that much because last week I left him for the buzzards of that barbed wire match. Now, what he does, he goes out and he gets his friend Jimmy Valiant involved in one of the most dangerous matches in wrestling, which I and I'm very happy to have him in because Iron Mike's my partner. And we're going to, We're not just going to have one of them leaving on a stretcher. Both of them. Yeah, falls don't count. Just go until somebody That's all right. That's on.
1: our kind of match, you know. Okay. We're tough individuals. We train hard, and we're psyched up for this type of match. But those guys right there, they're going to be surprised when we get in there. You know, it's going to be all four at once, right? That's right. Falls That's don't right. count. That's right. And, well, and you got to be carried out on a stretcher. Carried well, out on it's on not going to be us. Okay. Right, Jimmy? You're Nobody's going to be at midnight partner. right there in Louisville, right baby. Here.
2: So a couple of things there. First of all, you got to love Troy Graham talking about, you know, Jimmy Hart's going to be as safe as a baby in his mammy's arms. You got to gotta, gotta <laughs> pop for that. I got to start yes, using that, that was line. A
3: highlight.
2: <laughs> Absolutely the highlight. <laughs> and my other takeaway was, you know, we, we already had our phone with Mike Sharp. Oh, okay. he Just kind of dismisses things. But he also, he said here are kind of promo and he, he refers to them as we're tough individuals. It's like he doesn't really cut a wrestling promo. He's just talking like a normal human being.
3: Yes. Um, he sounds so out of, every time he opens his mouth, he sounds so out of place. Like you said, he doesn't sound like a wrestler, he sounds like just a normal human, but also just especially in the South, you know, the way you're used to hearing these promos and, right. Let me tell you something, baby and all that. And he's like, We're <laughs> two tough individuals who's gonna be Yeah, you know, it's yeah. And the thing is he's got Jimmy like why is he talking as much as we've heard why have we heard him talk so much? He's got Jimmy Hart <laughs> no, Shut right. up
2: you know, learn your place there yeah I, but they they're trying with them I, I i gotta give them that much anyway mike sharp uh hanging around for now here in the memphis territory but did you catch that jimmy hart handing off the money once again to troy graham do you think it was the same thousand like troy grave it back and then and jimmy had to hand it to him again here or is jimmy paying him again for the promo
3: <laughs> i don't know after it went down the front of his pants and on, oh, on tv good, it may be a, i hope it's a different thousand even if he got the other back could you
2: imagine troy graham rolling back after that the segment where they stuff the money down his pants and he rolls up the jerry dirt Jer- you want it you come get it boy
3: <laughs> I feel like as soon as I seen him shove it down the front of his pants, I felt like that was the rib. Like when he got back there, like you want this money back? <laughs> no, keep it. Troy. He it's... probably
2: pulled it out and split it three ways with the dirty white boys for the, for the spot. <laughs> Thanks guys. <laughs> as uh, we head off now to the results here, it's the nightmares. $500 versus the masks of the daydreamers. Presumably Steve Constance and Tim Ashley under those hoods. But is the Daydreamers scoring the win here over the Nightmares, Ken Wayne and Danny Davis on a disqualification, well, at least it was only $500, so they kept it real. But on a DQ, does that mean they still get the money?
3: You know, you don't win a title on a DQ, so I wouldn't think you'd win the money, but who knows?
2: Lots of money being passed around here in Memphis.
3: Yeah, you wouldn't think you'd have money in a couple, two different match stipulations, but eh, everybody can relate to money and fans can relate to money, I guess, even more than a championship belt. So I guess that's why they went to that so often.
2: Well, we were supposed to have six matches on the card. Of course, the entire ZoomHoff Kevin Kelly match canceled. Neither guy in town don't really know what happened. It may have been the weather. I'm not really sure. But uh, also missing from the show was that no DQ, no time limit matches. Joe Lightfoot misses the show and taking his place is Brad Batten, as we're going to see leaping Lanny Pavo defeat. One half of the Batten Twins here on the undercard. Also, the Macho Man Randy Savage battling exotic Adrian Street to a no contest. Show goes on. Southern Tag Team Champions, the interns. Looks like the other intern now out of surgery. Troy Graham in their corner. The interns <laughs> defeating the Dirty White Boys. Uh, remember, if the Dirty White Boys had won, they would have got five minutes with Jimmy Hart. But the interns seem to have their number. They win almost every time.
3: Yeah, I mean, the Dirty White Boys are getting nothing in this feud so far. It's... Kind of lopsided. They're
2: like the Tommy Dreamer of the feud.
3: Exactly.
2: <laughs> As uh, we close out the card. Wow, I would like to see the finish to this. I don't want to see this match, but the finish maybe. Eddie Gilbert and Iron Mike Sharp defeating the team of Jimmy Valiant and Jerry Lawler in a Texas tornado stretcher match. Who do you think I guess Jimmy would have had to have been stretchered out, right?
3: Oh yeah, I would assume so. And you know, just <laughs> with with the card being so altered, uh, you know, you didn't get the six big matches that we originally thought we was going to get exactly. Right. I'm just surprised to see the heels sweep the last two matches there. Oh, good uh,
2: call. We want to send
3: them home happy to yeah. kind of counteract exactly. some of that. But, uh, hell, we would even let Savage didn't even beat Street. We went to a no contest there. So. Yeah, kind of a
2: bummer of a night overall, you know. And Yeah. Maybe they looked at the cards said, oh, card. 2,200 fans. Maybe, uh, maybe they said, well, we don't have to give them everything. But you would think you would want to. To get more in there yeah. next time. Everybody goes back to work, goes back to school, and talks about what a great card. And maybe, you know, you draw a little more next time around. I'm not really sure what the logic was, but good call. Odd booking. I don't
3: think anybody went to school and was like, it was great. Lanny Poffo won. I mean, everybody else lost. Yeah. But Poffo won. <laughs> Lanny Poffo, oh, yeah. and it
2: wasn't even the no DQ match.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. Yes, the Daydreamers <laughs> won. So I'm sure that sent everybody home. There you go.
2: So uh, as we uh, begin to wrap up the show here this week, kind of eventful, we break the uh, ring ropes there on the, in the studio, and Jerry Lawler has uh, the Dirty White Boys in the studio there on the Jerry Lawler show. The Mid-South Coliseum card canceled, and we try to make the best of these shows we can, Gene. We do, we do everything we can to make it entertaining, even if Mother Nature is wreaking havoc on these episodes so far.
3: Yeah, I mean, really, Mother Nature really stuck it to us on that one. But I do have <laughs> to say, you mentioned the rope break uh kudos to them for uh getting it together in time that when they pitched a commercial the slow mo of him taking that brutal bump over the rope with the rope breaking uh was what they went to the break with in slow motion and it it looked just as bad in slow motion as it yeah, I don't know
2: I didn't even think technology at least in a wrestling world was up to that speed yet but man you had to imagine as soon as it happened somebody was like oh get that get that we got to, we're gonna we're gonna air that <laughs> go ahead and grab yeah a clip.
3: i was surprised as soon as that music hit and then that popped up i was like oh man they got that quick i mean you don't think nothing about that these days but as no, you i didn't yeah like i'm glad you caught five, that that's, yeah that's pretty quick
2: no that that's a good call so we asked a lot of questions over the last couple of weeks here on the show and we had a bunch of them answered this week and there's actually going to even be more next week as we continue on but you know, we, we asked, how did the interns beat the Dirty White Boys in the first round of the Mid South Coliseum tournament? Well, now we know Jimmy Hart gets involved. Why did Terry Taylor, why was he given the international title if he was leaving the territory? Well, we have to presume he was supposed to lose it here this week if the show wasn't canceled. How did Mike Sharp beat Jimmy Valiant? We, we pondered that in the Coward Waves the Flag match. <laughs> Apparently, he simply beat him down with his uh, loaded brace, the loaded brace Doom. And then, why did Johnny Wilhoyt team with Jerry Lawler? After being eliminated with Jerry Bryant in the match before him, well, <laughs> Austin Idol a no-show, darling.
3: Wait, the interns are going over, darling. No, no, no. Oh,
2: you're bringing me in, and I'm getting eliminated in the first round, darling. Oh no.
3: Cashed in his ticket and went back to the house.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, I'm so sure. You mean I'm, you know, it's like, uh, you mean I'm not getting paid for championship money? Oh well, that's that's it's just a first round match. Idol, I thought you could do me a solid. <laughs> Austin Idol doesn't do solids, baby. But again, one of my favorites of all time. So, you know, I'm just having a little fun there, guys. But, you know, a spade is a spade. (laughs) We just have a little fun in between.
3: He's one of those guys that uh, I was a big fan of as a kid. And then I got the opportunity to be around him enough as an adult that not a fan. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. They say never meet your heroes. I I met a few guys. I wouldn't even necessarily call them heroes. But I was around a few guys that I was like, wow. You know, I certainly certainly changed my opinion on them. But I mean. It is what it is. Then you meet great guys. Tracy Smothers, Bobby Eaton, Harley Race.
3: Yep. Yep. Some some people more than lived up to. I mean, I know this is totally off topic of anybody we talked about, but I just want to throw this out here. I don't know if you ever got a chance to meet Roddy Piper, uh, but I got it. I got the opportunity to meet Roddy Piper two different times. And he was the nicest human being I've ever interacted with in my life. And he acted like he was more excited to meet me and my wife than we were to meet him and just the greatest guy ever. And so uh that's always top of my list. If anybody ever says, like, who's the coolest person you ever met? Always hands down without a, you know, a second thought. Roddy Piper.
2: Oh, that's 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 pretty damn cool. Uh, yeah, I, I never, you know, had the pleasure of, uh, meeting him in that, in that capacity to where I actually had a conversation or anything like that. So that's uh pretty cool to hear. That's uh really cool, you know, and sadly he passed away out of nowhere. So that was, that was kind of crazy. We're going to get ready to wrap up here guys. And Hey, we'll just get out of the way right now, Gene, since we're going to, we'll close out the week. There's, there's no matches here. I don't have any lineups, but I wanted to point out some uh, interesting uh, shows here on January the 25th for the Memphis territory Friday, January 5th. 1985, a couple of shows, one in Camden, Tennessee, uh, tickets at Fry's drug, Melton drug, tasty freeze. And it's going to be taking place at the Camden high school, but I had to pop when you could head down to the local tasty freeze and buy yourself up some wrestling tickets.
3: Heck yeah. That's where I'm getting my wrestling tickets. I'm getting a milkshake and two tickets to the wrestling,
2: but Fry's drug is just the, I don't care. I want to go to tasty freeze. I want to say I got my (laughs) tickets from tasty freeze. Damn it. Exactly. Also, January the 25th, the Civic Center in Forest City, Arkansas, tickets at Parker's Furniture, actually go to the furniture store to pick up your tickets there in Forest City.
3: I uh this is off, <laughs> totally totally out of left field, but I had a half brother who lived in Arkansas. He used to come and spend like Christmases and summers with us and we used to always go and uh meet his mom in Forest City, Arkansas. We happened to end up in Forest City one time when Memphis Wrestling was going to be there and actually got to check out a Memphis Wrestling show in Forest City, Arkansas. Oh, wow. Uh, around this time. It actually would have been the next year. It would have been in 86. So
2: yeah.
3: uh, random as hell, I know. But there you go.
2: Who headlined? Do you remember?
3: Uh, that one was Lawler and Buddy Landale oh, in a okay. single. It was book, It was scheduled to be a tag. It was supposed to be Buddy and Bill Dundee against Lawler. I don't remember who it wasn't. You would think it'd be Dutch. It wasn't Dutch, but it was supposed Mm -hmm. to be Lawler and somebody against Bill and Buddy, and it ended up being Lawler and Buddy in a single.
2: Okay. I uh, I wouldn't complain too much about that, I guess.
3: I mean, you think of anybody in the tag match that would have no-showed, you would have thought it'd been Buddy over Bill. Just you know, Uh, I thought you were going to say Austin Idol. Well, yeah, I mean, if, I, it could have been. Maybe, maybe Otto was supposed to be Lawler's partner that night. He didn't show. But, uh, uh, imagine that. But uh, no, Lawler and uh, Lawler and uh, Buddy Landell. Landau.
2: So, uh, I get was, this...
3: uh, let's say, 86. I was nine years old.
2: Okay. So. Yeah, I would have definitely enjoyed that for sure. But um, we're going to wrap things up right now, Gene. But uh, next week, I just wanted to point out, we're, we're going to go through the results, the TV, the Mid-South Coliseum, and again, the Louisville Gardens. And next week, upcoming at the Louisville Gardens, guys, uh, the Southern Tag Team title tournament is upcoming. Yes, you're going to ask, didn't that just happen, Ray? Well, yeah, it did, but only in the city of Memphis. You see, they're going to make the rounds at least to the to Louisville Gardens. Uh, so we're going to see the tournament yet again. So the champions currently vacant. The title's vacant still in Louisville. We're going to get another tournament. Who do you want to guess wins that one?
3: Mm, man, I'm really, I'm crossing my fingers and hoping for the best for the old dirty white boys this time around.
2: (laughs) Well, I I hate to break the news to you guys, but a lot of the teams that were involved in the first one, not involved in this one, which makes it even harder for the same team to come out twice in a row. However, the Rock and Rolls, they won't be there. But in their place, the fabulous ones, Stan and Steve going to return here next week to the Memphis Territory.
3: Hey, all right. That's good.
2: I'll take that. So yeah, we're gonna wrap it up now here, guys. I do appreciate it again, Gene. I love getting through this one with you. Again, it was a it was a rough go. We had no Mid South Coliseum show. Great build, great card, and then and nothing. So that was really unfortunate.
3: Yeah, man. All this build up. We had all this fun building up to this huge card, and then you know, it's like going on a date and yeah, going home frustrated. We'll just we'll just <laughs> put it like that. <laughs>
2: That's a, that's a good analogy. Yeah, it was very unfortunate, but again, we'll see if they bring some of these matches back. I hope they do, and, I, and I'm not saying that facetiously. I really don't know without looking, again, what we see next week at the Mid-South Coliseum. So hopefully we see some of this transpire. I know we won't get some of those matches, but maybe we'll still get a Texas Death Match before too long. Maybe we won't. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, guys. But uh, we'll be back soon. More Jerry Lawler Show. Also, Gene, is the Car Show going to be in town next week?
3: Oh, that should bring some great guests. And uh, <laughs> let me just say before we go, uh, I'm holding out hope and crossing my fingers that if nothing else, we at least get our promised no DQ, no time limit Joe Lightfoot, Lanny Poffo match.
2: Oh, they better bring that back to the Louisville Gardens next week or I'll riot.
3: Exactly. Right. I'm surprised people didn't storm the ticket booth. <laughs> that match didn't happen. Refund, refund. <laughs>
2: All right, guys, we're going to close it out now. Gene, I appreciate you taking the time and, and getting this one in. It's always a pleasure. It's always a fun time talking more Memphis wrestling from back in the day. Looking forward to closing out the month of January next time around.
3: Hey, the pleasure's all mine. And, uh, yes, I look forward to seeing how we uh, close this month out and how we start to head into February.
2: Hey, before we split, do you got anything out there you want to promote?
3: Uh, just – uh you know, check out, uh, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash, uh, retro wrestling network. Uh, we've been kind of slow putting up matches, but we do put out the, uh, the OWF outlaw wrestling federation with Whitey Jenkins. And again, that's kind of the comedy parody wrestling that me and Bob Anderson do for fun. So if you like silliness like that, please check that out. Beyond that, uh, everything else I'm doing is stand-up shows and whatnot that, I don't know that anybody listening would care to go to or be be able to go to. But uh, hopefully uh, it's going to build towards getting out there into some bigger places. And, you know, as this show continues to grow, maybe at some point I'll I'll sell some comedy tickets based off this. For Right now, sticking pretty close to around Birmingham, Huntsville, Gadsden area. So hopefully my my goal for this year is to uh, head out of state a little more and uh, start branching out. So you never know.
2: All right, well, keep us informed here, and uh, of course, Gene Jackson on social media, and you can catch me as well on social media, guys, facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Gene's on uh, Facebook as well. I don't know if he'll friend you, but you can try.
3: I'll friend most anybody, just about <laughs> Gene Jackson, 95, and uh, unless you look like this is just complete freak weirdo, you know, I'll uh, I'll add you, and then if you immediately message me and ask me to join a group or demand something of me, I'll block Thank you. you, so Thank be you. be
2: Thank you. Gitto. That goes for me as well. Nothing I hate hate worse than somebody that friends me just to send me invites. Ain't happening, guys. Thanks for the
3: ad. Now join my group. Yeah. Yeah, You you guys will be
2: unfriended as fast as Andre the Giant gave up that WWF title. And that's, it wasn't very long.
3: (laughs) Whoa, wrestling. Tag
2: team team time to to (laughs) All right. It's getting late. We better get off this thing. I want to thank you guys again for listening to the Memphis Wrestling version of the Regional Wrestling Podcast. And once again, thank you so much, Gene Jackson. Thank you. All right, and that will wrap it up here this week on Regional Wrestling. Going to be back soon. More Georgia 81, more UWF 86, and more Memphis 85 right around the corner. And of course, as always, I'm your host, Ray Russell. You can follow me on X at Rastling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, Facebook.com slash Rastling Grenade. And we'll be back soon with more regional wrestling where we talk the territories.